Hello and welcome to a show that you can now hear on devices of your choosing. That show is Radio Free Nintendo. I am James Jones. I'm joined today by Mr. Guillaume Vayette. Good evening. Mr. Greg Leahy. Ahoy, ahoy, everyone. And Mr. John Lindemann. You know, James, I was afraid I was going to miss uh, this week's show because I was on a darkness retreat, but I, yeah, I, fortunately. <laughs> did you did you make a decision about your retirement yet? Not quite yet. Oh, okay. There's a little bit more darkness to go. Now, there's, we're about to record RFN. There's always more darkness to go. Uh, it is February 16th, 2023, and this is episode 810, which seems wild, but here we are. Um, somebody pointed out in the Discord that we talked about Pikmin 4 for the first time on episode 444. Hmm. So that's pretty cool. Um, that was around the time Miyamoto gave the interview where he said it was almost done. 444. <laughs> wow. 810. Yeah. Uh, so that's neat. Um, we are going to jump into some listener mail. Last week we did the direct. The week before that we did some new business plus uh, our games of 2022, uh, which I got wrong. Um, and our podcast feed is fixed. So now you can hear this, which is great. So uh, big thanks to the NWR tech team. So they managed to figure out what was wrong with it. I should probably ask just so I know this for the future, but you know, reasons. We're going to get right into email and I'm going to go ahead and decide that uh, I'll just look through the emails. See who I want to read what. Uh, John, would you read the first email? I should not read this one, which is why I'm having you read it. Uh, I don't know what that means, but let's go for I'm, it. I, I am brought up specifically, so it'd be weird to talk about myself in the third person. All right. Um, all right. Underscore uh, PPKO writes... Congrats on not having Google Podcasts block this week's episode, guys. Hey, we did it! I'd like to bring up an ultimately insignificant problem I have with video game review scores. <laughs> insignificant. Oh, here it comes. Here it uh, comes. We only insignificant. Our, but our I currency a paragraph is, and a half out of the scene. <laughs> our, our currency is significance, but I'll entertain this one for the moment. It's true. You're right. That's our metric. For the last couple of weeks, a statement James made regarding game review scores has been on my mind. Man, that is a terrible outcome. So, so hold on, hold on. That means my statement was significant. I, I, I don't so. know about I, that. Sometimes you could just listen to what is obviously a really kind of, you know, dubious in terms of creative merit, like a song or like a jingle in an ad and it can get stuck in your head. So Yeah, but I, but uh, is is it it the act of it being stuck in your head an event that has uh, like caused you to genuflect your thinking? I mean, I would I, say that creates its significance. I, it could be significant in its insignificance. Think about That's it. Deep. That's deep. He said he's never played a game that he would call a 10 out of 10. Be it for rating video games and movies or restaurants and services, I've heard this sentiment plenty. Oh, I don't give perfect scores, or how could this get a perfect score when negatives are mentioned in the review? Personally, I think this is a bad attitude. Why bother having <laughs> I'll 10 show you a bad attitude. as a possible score when it would never be used? It's like people considering each single, single di digit score, 1 through 9, a range of quality, while a 10 is an infinitely small, unattainable pinpoint. This is just wrong. If James has never played a 10, as defined by NWR's outline, I'd say this reflects poorly on the website. 
In my opinion, a perfect score is not intended for a perfect game, but for those amongst the very best games. Moreover, why are there so many, why are there so few games that get ratings below a five? Looking at Metacritic Switch games from the last 90 days with at least seven reviews, 27 games in total, the average Metascore is 75.2 and the lowest Metascore is 54. Sure, we just got Metroid Prime to bump up the average, but on the other end of the spectrum, we have Smurfs Cart. Maybe this is too small a sample to be empirical evidence, but it looks about right compared to what I've witnessed over the years. Most games are rated around 75% as where 55% would be the true average if the entire range of 1 to 10 was honestly considered by review outlets. Problem or not, this is clearly an industry-wide trend. Do you think more review outlets should be brave enough to stretch their legs and award more <laughs> more 10s and sub-5s? Or should we just be content with the status quo? Thank you for all that you do. I, I feel like I have the right to respond first, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to save that. I mean, you're that. living in this guy's head rent-free, so please I'm gonna, address I'm going to save that for a second, and just I want to point out that getting seven reviews on your game for Switch is actually kind of hard because there's so many fucking games that come out. Yeah, and the ga- uh, and- we, I, we've, we have, we've mentioned this before on related topics in terms of, uh, yes, you could talk about leniency bias, which of course is what, uh, is being, PPKO is sort of kind of supposing here that people are just unwilling, you know, uh, they're not brave enough to go below five. Cowards! They, they are, you know, too lenient. That's leniency bias. Uh, but a lot of it actually is selection bias at work. Correct. In terms of, uh, as you mentioned, there are so many games and the, not, the outlets don't nearly have enough bandwidth to cover them all. So they right. pre-select the ones that they think will be interesting to their audience. And oftentimes those are, obviously it's an imperfect uh, process. It doesn't mean you're going to be right when you make these decisions, but you allocate resources broadly where you think you know the readers uh, of your site want to go, and a lot of the right. times that is going to at least somewhat correlate with quality of the game, or you know, something about the game anyway that makes it interesting, and not always all about quality, but again, there's some sort of correlation there. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't discount that there's a certain amount of leniency bias at work, but there's certainly more to it than that. Yeah, I mean, the the reality of the situation is some weeks on Switch, 20 games will come out, 25 games, 30 games, and it, it's it's multi it's multi it's multifaceted. So, we don't get review codes for every game, which means somebody's going to have to pay for that game with their own fucking money. Yep. And yep. and the games that uh we we don't get review codes for are are usually much smaller and so they don't they don't get a ton of attention and they're oftentimes they have much less resources i'm just gonna i'm literally just opening up what's come out on switch most recently uh theater rhythm eldrend uh big adventure colon trip to europe to collector's edition I'm going to say this game probably doesn't have seven reviews on Metacritic. I'm going to say that this game is probably not above a five. It's probably below a five. But I'm just going to put this one image in the chat. And I just want you all to react. That's it. just need you to react. I don't need you to to give it a lot of thought. don't need you to, to overthink it. Just immediate gut response to what I just put in the chat. My gut response is, Jesus! 
Um, but that's a real game. Allegedly. Allegedly. I like the stock photo families over the weird photoshopped, just like generically Central European vista they've created. Um, with a road that doesn't seem to go anywhere. And yeah, I mean, this is, this is obviously not a, well, obviously, I don't know. This is, this is quite likely not a good product. I like the fact that it's the collector's ed- uh, ed- <laughs> edition, <laughs> implying that there's a normal edition, but that there's people actually collecting these games. Yeah, this digital, this digital yeah, game. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting implications there that presumably this, don't uh, go anywhere. I'm just trying to figure out, like, who, the the woman's face reminds me of like is it Benny Hill in drag? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, uh, that's, that's what that is. There, there's a game in here called Psychophonies. What ghosts say, and it's just pictures of ghosts with text selection prompts, as near as I can tell. Oh, that's I, I don't. I, I, that's it. When you're talking about these sorts of low rent, you know, kind of uh, operations. Yeah, they, 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 you see, there's actually a sort of another way in which selection bias works. In terms of, it's not just you know the outlets choosing what they cover, but it's also you know that these sorts of games are not going to choose to push their game to reviewers even a right. lot of the time because they don't. Yeah, they're operating on thin margins. That's the business model, and outreach is not part of that. <laughs> you know, outreach you, is the enemy. That you just you just get it out there uh, at the lowest cost possible uh, with you know some sort of wording or some sort of feature that you think will in snare enough people uh, to to actually push purchase that it will end up covering the costs or whatever so yeah the point is you, you, there's multiple uh, factors that go into why you know it, you would not expect reasonably <laughs> the games that actually show up on Metacritic as you mentioned because they've got to be a certain amount of reviews uh, to reach that threshold and, and I mean they've got to make a page for it in the first place that's right. why, even, even if it hasn't got like the number of reviews, like it's going to have a page, um, uh, and and therefore it, it, we we shouldn't expect that that though though those uh, statistics you mentioned about the scores to reflect the full range because it doesn't. It's not all there. It, it's been it, it de facto selected for Metacritic by you know. The outlets choosing to cover the the publishers and developers choosing whether they even bother doing critical outreach or not. Metacritic itself obviously has a role in the way it does things. So it is obviously it's very broad, but it is on on some level somewhat curated, you know, kind right. of selection of games. So it, it, it should be really no surprise that it skews higher. And and he he cites uh, I had to redact part of the email for time um, a, a a thing on Metacritic's own site where they noted that the the color bands are different for games versus movies that yeah, the, yeah the quality ba- based on the ways that the diff yeah, that those media are scored differently by the critics involved yeah but but I'll 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 point out two things one um, movie reviewers aren't also don't review the equivalent of Box Roulette Simulator dash Boxing Battle Fight for Combat Nintendo Switch, which is a real game on Switch. Um, but if they do, it only takes them an hour and 20 minutes to, to watch the movie versus a game, which obviously takes more time, usually. I'm, I'm going to guess... I'm gonna guess I can review Boxing Roulette Simulator faster, but still, some of these things might be even quicker than a movie, frankly. Right. <laughs> but... 
Um, they they also don't review the bottom of the barrel. Now there there are you know like Troma who make deliberately awful movies and they send them out for a critical review because they want that review that just savages them. But as somebody who spent I don't know ten years with a group of friends deliberately seeking out the worst movies we could get our hands on, most of them didn't have critical reviews because they're they're you know they they're independent productions in the worst possible way. They are like. A guy or a a woman thought I could be a movie star and I've got a little bit of money, so I'm going to write, star, direct, produce, and uh, in some cases even create the music for my film. And this happens more than you'd expect. And those movies don't get reviewed. If those movies got reviewed, they would set the floor of the score. They would be so far down that everything else would get bumped up by a point or two in and of itself because i've seen those movies uh, but they're uh, but the thing is they do still exist don't they and people right. have still seen movies like them so if you ask them to score other movies like they still like kind of take them into account somewhat don't you know what i mean like you, right. you, you might never have re- reviewed something that you'd give you know one out of ten possibly but you've seen things that you'd give one out of ten, so you kind of it's still there. You don't effectively chop it off the end of the right. the, the low and, end of the scale, like, and, you know. But. And I, I think that's the other reason why we don't see reviewers use the very very bottom of the scores. NWR standard is basically like if your game boots and I can play it, we're probably gonna give you a one. At a minimum. Like, that's like, okay, I can play your game. We've made it past zero. Congratulations. You did it. Um, but, like, that that's really not exactly, like, uh, a sparkling depiction. I've actually given two score, uh, two or three ones in the past. Um, because I got stuck with a lot of garbage. Um, John can speak to that. He saw it firsthand. Terrible. I, uh, <laughs> I reviewed, like, four or five twos. And the thing is, I don't give out a one or a two very easily because, all right, so this is one in ten have the was same. Was it you that, re- that reviewed uh, Homie's Rollers? No, that, that was Zach. Zach. That was Zach. Yeah. James yeah, uh, reviewed Cake and Ninja 2 I did. on DSiWare. So and that was a one. Ginger, ginger, <sighs> ginger, ginger Dead Man. Or, uh, was, ginger Bread ginger. Man was, I was trying uh, to think Ninja Bread. No, that's ginger, a movie. Ninja Bread Man. Ninja Bread Man. Yeah. The side gave it more than a one. That's right. all I can say. Because uh, Ninja- it's a ginger dead man is the thing with Gary Busey. Yes. So so Ninja Bread Man should be more than a one because they repackaged that game three times. They had chances <laughs> to fix it. That game was sold three different times with just different different texture pack on top. Uh yeah, no, I gave Kick Ninja a one. Because it's it was worse than than Fruit Ninja on phones, which was free. <laughs> it, it it was really truly terrible to look at and it didn't do anything of redeeming value and so that's so here when when i say i have i haven't played a game i gave a 10 i had two conversations with reviews editor john lindeman about games as tense two one right, of them was ghost go. trick which i gave a nine five and one of them was super mario was uh super mario uh galaxy 2 Galaxy 2, yeah. What, 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 I what about Ray did the story? I, I felt like you got uh, close on that, maybe, as well. Yeah, it, it did. I think it was a 9.5. Yeah, I think uh, I remember that. But I, I, I knew I, I, I had issues with that game. So, like, it got a 9.5 in spite of the issues I had with that game. It's it's sure. the, the, the battles 
against uh actually I gave it a, I just gave it a flat 9. Uh the battles against standard enemies often took longer than the boss fights and the boss fights took too long. Which meant- <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that said about the game uh, not just by you but it still kind of makes and, it and, still and, kind of makes me laugh to think. About. And if you, and if you think that's petty, I want you to understand you'll fight hundreds and of see, these it's fights. It's an RPG. I mean it's easy for anybody who's played them to imagine that just doesn't add up. It's not proportional. Right. <laughs> but but again, I want to make it clear the 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 random enemies take longer than the boss fights and as i said is the second part of that phrase and the boss fights take too long anyway anyway yeah well rpg boss fights usually do but you always feel well usually often let's yeah, say yeah. do but, and, and but you always feel like well they probably just feel like they need to confer this feeling of the oh this is a boss this is a big deal this is like the other but when <laughs> when the regular battles take that long, it's all out of whack. It's not proportional at all. But yeah, uh, and it, it's it's just because their combat system had lots of things where the enemy could do to effectively make it hard to hurt them or, or impossible to hurt them, and so they would effectively just turn it into trench warfare for turn after turn after turn. And it's just like fuck. And if I had the right unit for whatever bullshit they were they were trotting out that day in the party. Then okay, I can break whatever dumb thing they've done. But if I don't know they're gonna do it, well then I don't have the right unit in the party, and so I spend a bunch of time dealing with them. But see, so yeah, like that game was never in the running for a ten. So like okay. the game, I do, it, I do, I know you loved it, but yeah, I, I did. Guess I, like rhythm it's, pl- it's right. plenty of games I loved that I wouldn't have given a, yeah. a ten to. I mean, that's the thing. I, I remember, and, and this is quite a lot of what PPKO says here. You know, I don't feel very differently myself. I, we, we, I assume this is uh, obviously uh, alludes to it already. You know, this is how we got here. We've, the, the whole significant Mario Power tennis rabbit hole. Sure. <laughs> they, like, I, I was like, expressing myself then, you know, like I, I, I thought it was stupid how there was, how kind of like this, this outrage at the notion that something was, as trifling yeah. as a portable tennis game, anyone would have the temerity to give it a 10. I just thought that was silly, you know, and, and, and way too precious about giving 10s. And, and also it's like, well, all right, well, maybe you would never give a game, you know, a 10. Uh, of of that sort, perhaps, uh, although that is you know, by definition a sort of prejudice, which is not the best thing to carry into a, a review. But also, you know, they don't they have to impose that kind of value system onto somebody else. You know, let them review right. it the way they see fit. If you disagree, so be it. But uh, you know, I'd hate for everybody that's reviewing to just sort of you know kind of check themselves and and try and conform to some abstract notion of you know what's the proper way of doing things and all that you know and, and not really just give you their sort of you know still you know a kind of uh reasoned and you know a kind of analytical take on the game not just like oh yeah this game's awesome kind of thing obviously or it sucks you know conversely. right but it- but but still it's their opinion it's not varnished by things you know like expectations uh, of of what everybody else thinks about the way you should review things but i will say having all that you know about like yeah, i i don't like look at somebody else giving a 10 and saying oh you know they're just getting carried away they're full of shit or something <laughs> uh, I, when it came to doing the ranking thing with seren like i couldn't pull the trigger on a 10 very often 
Right. I, you know, like, it, I didn't go in with the attitude of, like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm only going to give two tens through the whole thing. That's it. They, they, you know, I, I can't possibly give any more than that. And that's it. But as you just went through each one organically and just kind of, you know, instinctively, what does this feel like to me? There were very few games that I was, that, that I was able to do it with. So and that's just honestly, how I felt about them. It wasn't a preconceived notion of, you know, oh, well, a game's got to be near or actually flawless to give the top score or anything like that. It's just, it's just a feeling. And again, I mean, goodness knows how many times we've said this, but really should not focus that much on the score, for goodness sake, when you're, you're reviewing games. It's more important no, things. It's, it's the, the body last of the thing text. I do. Yeah, but but it, it, insofar as you know, you are doing the score, uh, you know it 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 really is just a like okay, I put a number on it, and it's a feeling and all that, and there's not much more. You know, if you want the real I mean, stuff, read the damn thing. I mean, I I skipped I skipped to the score first thing. For which, is the, which, which is right at the top, which is impressive. So you skip to the top. Well, not always. Not, Not always. always. I mean, there's lots. There's plenty of reviews where they they leave it at the bottom still. There's all, there's no, no, yeah, yeah, presumably to try and ensnare such people. <laughs> well, <laughs> because and the reason school. why I do that is I'm like, okay, so this person is saying this game is really good or middling right. or whatever. So I get I get that as sort of a high, uh, uh, like kind of a um, an early take on what this person is saying is their what their general opinion of this game is, and then I read the review. To see if what they're saying actually backs that up, and when you're editing reviews, that's that's part of well, the and, task. and more to yes. how how so I do it approach it like that, still. isn't it? You yeah. know, what I mean? that that's the biggest thing is it's just the, the because if you're thinking about it from a purchase decision point of view, you know, if you could read a review that's absolutely glowing, but if it's praising the elements of the game, the prospectively that don't necessarily appeal to you the most about you right. know a game in that genre or series or whatever you could still take a glowing review and say mm, but it's probably not for me you know, like if, that. It, if, if it's written well and and it you know is, is putting it all in the proper context and reasoning it could achieve that if it lists the pros of you can touch the faces of all of the cast like oh well okay that's not that's not for me thank you um I, I I do want to speak in defense of my apparent sin against the site that I've never played a game that I feel like I'd give a ten. My metric for that really, and it's not like all oh, this game has to be flawless. That game, it's well. What what did I tell you when we had the discussion about Ghost Trick? What what, what like, uh, I, you read it and uh-huh. you read the review and you're like, you've got some things here that you're calling out, mm-hmm. and and like basically you told me to give it a thought. And the reality of the situation is, my metric has always been like. It doesn't have to be a perfect game for me to for me to to give it a ten. It's something I've considered. It's a question of was are there components of the game that diminished my enjoyment in a material way? Exactly. I think um, for me, context is always important. There is right. always a context for a game for a particular genre. Could this game? To me, it's if if something to in order for something to be a ten, I have to look at it and say there is no reasonable. There's there's no reasonable way that they could have made this game better in any area for what it is, right? And and that that doesn't preclude flaws, like because that yeah. that's the that's the reasonable part. So for for me, Breath of the Wild is a game that if I had been reviewing it, which I didn't, 
would have gotten consideration. But ultimately, I I like weapon degradation. I like um, a bunch of stuff in that game. I actually feel like the biggest knock against that game isn't the dungeons, although they're not very good. Uh, to me, what what hampered the game for me and what took me out of that moment and what decreased my enjoyment and would probably knock it down to, dare I say, the 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 absolute fall of a 975 um, is that I felt like the way they implemented the Blood Moon system fundamentally would take me out of the game. The idea that Link can choose not to fight, but if he does he's doesn't really solve his problem like because those enemies are just going to come back later especially i don't know whether it got patched or something you know like there were definitely times where it felt like they were kind of speeding up in frequency when when you played it around launch where it's like okay you kind of you settle in for how long it takes for the you know it needs to like reset the world because it can't keep track of everything i guess you know the the underpinning of the the blood moon sort of concept but that seemed to accelerate and then it's well, no, no, this is yeah, really, and I don't know whether they did like fix that or you know it, or something, but it, it kind of it, it definitely with that. If it could have like felt, and this is the thing, obviously, what things feel or seem like is not always right. consistent with like what's actually happening. But if it continued to feel like it was a consistent interval. I don't think I would have thought of it as significantly diminishing the experience, but when it got to that point where it was like, "Cry, this is just happening all the time now," like it, it, yeah. it, it did take you out. I, there. I agree. With I that. definitely had a situation once where it happened back to back, like within twenty minutes of play, and I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Uh, but the the issue wasn't just that it was happening; it was that the way the game responds to your to your and it uh breath of the wild is interesting in that it doesn't have a linear power gain most games that have power gain your power gain is linear or it's at least constantly forward it doesn't go down it's a it's a constant gain it's not a it's not a delta so there's not a downstream like you don't become less powerful breath of the wild can in theory make you less powerful due to weapons degradation and i think that's why the weapons degradation system is so vital to that game it creates uh, nuance in the gameplay by making you less powerful at certain moments. And that may not be like a pure stat point thing. That may just be you suck with spears and that's all you got left, brother. Figure it out. Um, but to me, it was the Blood Moons com- combined with the fact that their response to the power gain was to just put out different colors of enemies. And they just became damage sponges. They weren't particularly more difficult because they did the same thing. And I had mastered fighting most of the enemies. It just meant it took longer. So why would have been better off if, as opposed to like, hey, I wiped out this patrol of Bokoblins and then the Blood Moon rolls around and now they're black Bokoblins, but they're, they're doing the same thing. They're sitting at the same camp cooking the same leg of meat that I'm going to steal and eat every time because fuck y'all. Um, I'm dance on your grave. Uh, it would be more logical in the in the context of like they're operating as an occupying force. If the response is there's just more of them around, they're more aware. They're watching for you. You can't sneak up on them the same way. They're doing patrols. That would have been much more engaging and much more in tune with what this game was, which was really ultimately a game about exploration and about constantly being surprised and. That meant the combat encounters weren't surprising, and they're fairly prolific out in the field, especially if you played the game like I did, where you're constantly traveling. 
So, no, I can say that game is transformative and that it's going to have impact for 20-plus years and that it's amazing and I've never played a game like it and still say, but there are things that took me far enough out of the experience for a significant amount of time that I would not give them a 10. It's not just a statement of, of are there imperfections because if that was fixed... It might be a ten, even with the bad dungeons. That There's I will say other, again, yeah, there'd be are other bad. imperfections, but you know, it's, it's, it, which ones dare I say it rise to the level of significance, uh, where it kind right. of influences a score one way or the other? Again, obviously, that a lot of that in the end is you can kind of you can often, feel. again you can think about it in an analytical way and really you know try and like weigh these things up, but. In the end, it's going to be like whether something actually, like, if, like you said, a, a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a game design thing that you've identified, you know, very sort of clearly. But right. whether it's in a, like, like whether like, oh well, the bad dungeons or the lacking dungeons, let's say, you know, is is not uh, would be like still within the parameters of ten, but but the the blood mood stuff kind of takes it out of the the ten territory that's that's ultimately just a kind of subjective assessment is, is what you feel right. is really essential and, to the experience of what makes the game great and therefore right. and, what what does or does not significantly diminish it and, and what in, in that case for blood moon what specifically attacks the things about the game i think are excellent yeah like it undermines the pillars that that un- that support the excellence of that game. What I would say on on as a corollary to that is he talks about he would expect the average to be five five, but see that's there's a huge mistake there, which is treating their review stores as a quantitative measurement. They're not. They're numbers, but ultimately they're still qualitative. They're they're just a, it's like it's like letter grades on a report card. They're that's a qualitative metric, even if it's backed by numbers, because ultimately it's just an ass- it's an assessment. It's not it's not like I can't go take out a tool. They don't have a tool out there for me to measure a game's review score. There's not there's not physics behind that number. Therefore, it is really just a a matter of you know, I look at it and I make an assessment. I put a number on it because that's the language the lingua franca of reviews. Because not- because if you don't, John won't read it. Right, exactly. Just scroll to the bottom to find the score, won't see it and he'll get mad. Yeah, uh, just like just, just no. I just I just feel like oh man, TLDR. Mm-hmm. I, I I just feel like um, I understand your argument, James. But also like it's uh, it really depends on the scale that you decide to use, right? And it seems like a lot of uh, video game uh, outlets uh, just decided on the one to ten scale, or God forbid, the one to one hundred scale. <laughs> I would love for NWR to do one to a thousand. <laughs> there are scales used by movies like reviewers and stuff like that that you know like one to four stars or five stars sure that i think like they usually do a better job of using the full scale or like but there's more representation across the scale they only but they they probably only have to invest an hour and a half into and they could do it from their home into reviewing a movie movie reviews tend to be fairly short too um, with the exception of like the odd long form piece about a, a movie that's particularly unique or influential. So you're saying that the more words a review contains, the more granular the the score has to be. No, I'm saying the the more words your review contains, or the more time you have to spend to consume the content in order to evaluate it, the less likely you are to consume the content at the bottom of the scale. Movie reviewers can review bad movies. Oh, like, again, I reiterate, they don't review. Yeah, they the still, it's still kind of curated. Yeah, but again. 
but they can review more of the bottom of the scale because it doesn't take them that long to do. They can knock out three or four reviews in a day. You can't. But the thing knock is, like, if you just uh, let's say, like, I don't know, like, I, I've seen uh, actually, like, the Waypoint Radio, which I listened to, they they talked about uh, something similar recently, and one of their points, and I, I think I agree with that, is that if you don't use your the the one to five part of your scale, then effectively your scale is six to, to ten, and so shouldn't your scale but, just be one to five? I don't you know. Like I, if if the games that exist below that five might as well not exist to your audience and to you who's trying to cater to your audience, then why would you even have then, the one to five? Then what if you play them? Then what if what yeah, if exactly. one of them? Exactly. Exactly. But you've already it's, determined that. But like, they sometimes, don't matter. sometimes it, it, publishers put out a two, Guillaume. It, it does. It, no, it does happen. It, it sometimes. Uh, the, you then know, then the, you give it a five, which people were, you know, or or a one, like which people were already kind of not paying attention to. Like use the bottom but, of your scale. But but see that then. If you say that, I, oh well, you need to you need to try to use all the scales in some kind of frequency. Like, no, there really shouldn't be that many twos. To like, NWR's metric is a one is I can play your game. Your game could literally, when I launch it up, it be an image that says, and that's a one because the game boots. Now we probably wouldn't review that because that's pretty fucked up, but that's the metric. <laughs> Anything that boots and plays gets you there. Okay, so then, like, let's talk about the game. Let's get it up there. So why does O'Sir get a two? Why didn't I give it a one? I don't know. I went back and read my review just now, and I'm like, I could have seen that cracking towards the ones. But, like, I think my my explanation for giving it a two in that moment in time was that it was like, okay, functionally, it does do the thing it's supposed to do. I can get through it. I can put together these stupid sentences, but they're horrible and offensive and they're bad. So the game gets a fucking two because it's not funny and that's the only thing it sets out to do. I could make an argument that that game should have been a one and maybe it should have been, but I played it six years ago and I don't remember why I gave it a two. But the review, the review indicates it was kind of in that middle ground space. But that game is a massive exception and should get a score that reflects the fact that it is a massive exception. Like, that game is so fundamentally awful. So fucking terrible. It's got a joke about Harvey Weinstein's casting couch in it. Well after we knew what he was doing. Like, that game is so exceptionally poor, it should have a space in the review cr- in the review space reserved for its specific brand of horrificness. And so then you step backwards and you start fleshing it out and there just aren't going to be that many twos because for a game to be that fucking atrocious and for me to invest the time in reviewing that game that fucking atrocious, then it's, you know, it's got a real, you have to work to make a game that bad. It's really difficult because there are basic underpinnings, just like in film, of like, if I put together a competent hero's journey, my movie can still be not particularly well written, but the audience will get enough of a feel out of it that they might be like, ah, I was okay, I guess. Like, there, there are certain beats and metrics that are well laid paths that should get you to at least like, this is a functionally marginal product that you have created. Because if you can't get there, then you probably shouldn't have created the product to begin with. So the idea that like, oh, your review scores should look like the bell curve, that's stupid and wrong. 
Like, it's just, it's just not the way, it, like, half the games can't just be like, oh, they're all fives. All these games are five. Every game here is a five. five but, five, I mean, five, most five, games, five, 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 I mean, five, 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 five indicates average, so therefore most games are probably average. But it doesn't. They're not, that's the mistake here. It's the, the review score is not quantitative. It's a qualitative metric, and you can't average qualitative it's metrics. A, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a qualitative metric in quantitative terms. Right, but you can't average a qualitative metric. You can't say, like, True. I can't average how red something is. I can average out the hex values that reflect its redness. Uh, this is the problem with the whole Metacritic era, is that, you know, it kind of leads people down this road of, like, oh, well, you know, we can, you know, kind of, uh, all this stuff is fungible. You know, like, we can, we can mix all these different scores together. Mm. You know, like, oh, yeah, well, someone who gave it four stars, well, that's an 80. That's the it's same an as an 8.0 <laughs> from a site that uses it. And it's, it probably isn't. It's the reality no. of it, you know. And it certainly might not be anything like what the actual substance of the, the sentiment the, in the text is, is expressed the, in and, it. And, and by, by not tying it to that kind of like, well, I need I need to use I need to use the whole score, and it needs to look like some kind of even distribution. It gives you the ability to encounter a game that's fundamentally fucked in some really deep ways, and then yet I have this inexplicable like emotion attached to. Uh, Fragile Dreams is a great example. I gave it a seven five, um, and I know I don't know that cold. I looked it up. Um, my <laughs> review is just bullet point after bullet point of why did you do this. Why did you do this? This is bad. Stop doing that. This is obnoxious. Why did they do that? And then I get back to the core message, which is like, but, but, for whatever reason, and I, I actually give the reasons. I speak about it. Like, this thing is having an impact on me in a way that it's more than the sum of its score points. Whereas Hawks 2, which is, gets, which is the opposite example, I actually take points off because I feel worse about the full product than the individualized components. It's not a weight and measure thing. It's like a, it's just like, I'm going to summarize my gut feel with another gut feel that we've chosen to use numbers. If we wanted to assign words to the full spectrum to turn this into like a, a, a diction battle, I could say that my my feelings on um, fragile dreams are wistful confusion, and like okay, there we go. That's my score. Average that in Metacritic, you fucks. Try it. <laughs> Try to figure out what that is. No, but I, I, think, so, I mean, look, I think uh, for my money, I, I wouldn't object to an outlet having a sort of a score system where it, like it was very reduced form of just like well basically yeah you know it's kind of the like the, the you know five stars or something and and you know we just uh, if and when it turns out that you get these games where you know it's it's somehow far worse than the usual thing is, and you might say, "Well, the the, the problem is, you know, at least you haven't got the way to convey how much lower it is the way you have in a ten scale." You know, where you get. I mean, I I reviewed something I gave a three that you know I wouldn't be that comfortable with the idea of like, oh well, this is no stars compared to you know a six out of ten is a one star. Like if it was right. transposed like that. Like, but I wouldn't object to an outlet doing it that way if it just felt like, you know what, this is, you know, we, we, all our writers on staff, they know the scale, how we want to use it. They know the fact that generally speaking, the games that we actually cover, this makes sense for. And we communicate that to the audience. And most importantly, you know, it's just, 
we write the review with all these things in mind, placed in the proper context, and you read it, that- and it makes sense. I, w- I wouldn't object. Like I said, it would have limitations because you know, like you, you, you wouldn't necessarily be able to sort of put some of those outliers in quite the same sort of uh, stark contrast that maybe they might deserve, but. You know, if they want to go that way, that's fine with it. I say, I, I, I generally speaking, I'm, I'm like, I, I'm, if people want to use more tens, if people want to you know, use more kind of, uh, you know, uh, almost like a, a shifted scale where we don't consider, you know, the kind of the half of the scale where, you know, these games exist, but we don't tend to cover them very often. You know, like I'm, I'm all for that as long as it's properly communicated and put in context, but, because like but, that, you know, that, that's how you want to, express it then i don't see why they should be told they can't no i i don't i i'm fine with an outlet did that but to go back to your previous point like that would if if it's just part of a metacritic average to get to seven like that's going to come like that's going to render that metric completely meaningless because you've effectively introduced somebody who is decided to review games in a completely different way and i don't fucking care what happens to metacritic but that's that's the jumping off point for this email yeah it's it, like, is. Well, no, it is it is exactly obviously it can be useful you know what i mean like for a yeah. lot of, it's, it's, it's you know, so i wanted to let's let's have a a smattering of reviews you know and i was like oh well let's pick one that's uh a positive review let's pick one of the neg- more negative ones let's pick one of the more middling ones you could ease it you know to get a sort of uh more you know kind of general picture of of a game you might be considering um you know let's see what you know, the people that don't like it kind of have to say why they don't and all that kind of thing the, the easiest way of sort of doing that is you know pulling up that list of you know with all the scores going in descending order and picking from them there you know so like that the the ones that that don't you know because there are outlets that don't use scores and they just use very uh you know kind of uh limited categories like uh was it Eurogamer just has like recommended and essential that's it right you know so and NWR like, has for the review mini has the recommended not recommended yeah so it's, it's, it's so basically know, our virtual console rating scheme pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. it's either like nothing it doesn't, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, there's a review and there's no recommendation. There's a recommendation and then there's like, no, 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 you have to play this. Essential. That's it. That, that's all right. I do. So there's a, there is an element of rating, but it's not, again, something that plays nice with Metacritic. It doesn't, uh, you know, kind of average out or anything like that, really. But, you know, they, that's what they've been using for quite some time now. I, I, uh, they didn't, uh, it wasn't always that way. Uh, they right. did have scores at some point. I, I forget when exactly. Exactly, they, they they made that change, and it probably hurts traffic, but at least you oh, know, definitely like in in a very direct way. Um, but you know, like they they've you know they made that switch and they've kind of stuck with it, and I think you know it works for them. So I I I'm, I'm generally in favour of more diversity in approaches to this stuff. If it's you know what you feel is gonna kind of help channel like your writer's genuine kind of feelings on it most clearly to the reader that that's the biggest thing i i uh john i'm going to give you uh a, a way of starting a review and you can tell me if you think it, it rises to the level of this game is significant okay this is this is what i put in crazy hunter a game i gave a one five there is absolutely zero reason for anyone who has ever or will ever live to play crazy hunter mm. Is that is that rise to this is significant? Uh, it doesn't have. It's very wordy. 
It's very wordy. It's not as much of a catchphrase. <laughs> I but it's future proofed. I did future proof it for future it, generations. It is. To it know is. It reads more, but it reads more of a uh, back of the box warning. Than it does <laughs> a future phrase. generations don't bother to reevaluate this. It's. I, I was thinking. <laughs> no. like, I mean, if you want a catchphrase, it would be more something like, "This game is an abortion." <laughs> Jeez. Future generations. See, ellipsis. That gets play headlines. This game. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but not Box present quote. generations. No, they, hmm. stay away. You're not ready for Crazy Hunter. Uh, this is a situation where maybe I should have given this game a one. Um, but I, uh, the reason I didn't, I didn't, is literally, and I, I call it out, is that the water effect looked really good for a DS game. Yeah, <laughs> it got point five for having that's really, Im- really impressive water that I allege they must have stolen from a different game. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's probably stole that assets from a from a different game from a better game. It's yeah. like yeah, this is this is a catastrophe of a product. But yeah. I mean, it's it's I think it's really hard. Like I think about what games that I've given a one or a two to, which I've given a lot, um, even a three. Like they've really crossed into some kind of holy ground of just I, we have created a product that somehow defies. Any like me actively trying to get some enjoyment, like not just I'm casually playing it to review. When I get a game that's really terrible like that, I get to the point where I'm actively seeking out things that bring me joy in it. Like we're really getting to the point where it's like I'm going to try to find fun in this fucking game, no matter what it takes, and I can't. And so it ends up in this like absolute. Vanta Black review score, where it's like I can't even, I can't even perceive the contours of fun when I look at it from any angle, and, and so uh, to me it feels like you need a space in your review scores that that highlight those, if only because sometimes people like to go research how games get there, how a game manages to achieve that unholy level of of just absolute ineptitude and having something that calls them out and and highlights them for the historical footnote be it a a completely um you know statistically an anomalous review score or some other metric where it's like if we had a recommended recommended for fans not recommended if we created like a fourth tier that's like recommended for sociopaths um then, like, yeah, maybe we could have something there for that. But I think having something that calls those out, that says, hey, this thing is unique, is special, um, is worth it. It's worth it to have the ground for those things to stand on, to say, like, I have, we have created something vile. We have created something unholy. We have created anti-art. We have, we have created something that generates a void of art. The artistry of other games is diminished by proximity, and having maybe ha- maybe the absence of fun is actually a sign that it is art. You know, yeah. it's challenging <laughs> your conception challenging, of yeah. what a video game can I, be. I always think back to university in the sculpture mu- uh, sculpture gallery they had in the student commons, where somebody got a clawfoot bathtub out of a house that was being demolished, and f- you know those googly eyeballs that always look up the round ones filled it with those and made some comment about how we see ourselves when we bathe and it got central display. And I'm like, this is something that he had like a day to finish. No, he BS'd his way into this. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. 
And that might be engineer brain talking, or it could just be artists are full of shit. Who can say? But that was definitely full of shit. I, if you told me Crazy Hunter was I like... it was full it, of googly eyes. It was yeah, Google. I was going to say. Well, it, it's it's full of conductive shit. Like, it's 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 the manifestation of shit as googly eyes. <laughs> uh, if you were to say that Crazy Hunter was like an art piece that they somehow managed to slip into the Nintendo DSiWare shop, I'd believe you. Because that's that makes more sense than somebody going, I've made a good game that I will now sell. Because remember, you had to sell a certain number to ever get any payouts in the DSI yeah, shop. Yeah, that, that, that was their yeah, kind of uh, quality control <laughs> the one sort of mechanism, wasn't it? it was like, well, and there's no way Crazy Hunter did that. Release it at your own peril because yeah, if you don't get over a threshold, you're not getting anything. And Nobody uh, made any sadly, money on this game. That, 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 was probably co- correlated with quality more weakly than they imagined, and therefore, oh. you know, it's probably the games that were you know perfectly kind of uh, you know, creditable uh, yeah. that didn't reach that threshold, while complete shit did. Like that's Debert's just like it was a blunt instrument, I guess. It's, yeah, uh, you you would see like this random game from a publisher in Bulgaria, and it'd be the worst thing you've ever seen, and you're like, "There's no way." There's absolutely zero way this thing crossed the crossed the threshold, but it exists, and I must document it for history because yeah. now you you can't get Crazy Hunter anymore. Yeah, the worst, uh, the, the lowest score I ever gave was a four. Wow, for Dirt Two. It's it's amazing when you select who gets what. Yeah, game exactly, I, I, I avoided the worst. Selection but, bias uh, yeah. takes many forms. Uh, sometimes <laughs> very go. personal uh, forms. But yeah, it's like uh, my tagline was, uh, "You'll want to leave this racer in the dust." Yes. There you go. I just killed it. Perfect. But I said, um, "I said Dirt Two gives we owners the short end of the stick, providing an utterly vanilla experience with shoddy controls and little in the way of extras or polish. It's an afterthought and a cash in instead of a well crafted racing title." Uh, I like when I read a review I wrote and I give it like a score that's not middling, it's it's low, like a four. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the game. And then I read the review and I still don't remember the game. And I look at screenshots and I still do- I wrote a 14 paragraph review of a game called Monkey Madness Island Escape, <laughs> allegedly. I yep. don't believe that because I don't remember this game, but apparently yep. I did. And I justify the four quite fine, but it, it's... I. And that's yeah. the other part, though, is it's like as you review more and more games, I think what tends to happen is you're um, – I just I just Googled Monkey monkey Ma- Island um, – Monkey Madness Island Escape, and then I saw a video called In Defense of Monkey Island, and I'm like, Escape from Monkey Island, and I'm like, what? And then I read it again, and I'm like, oh, oh, it's Escape from Monkey Island. Okay, nobody made a yeah. video about this fucking game. Okay, yeah. we're fine. Um, I, I think – I. For dirt, for I'm just going through dirt too and reminiscing here. I've heard better sound in DS games. God, go. um, yeah. I mean, Zach, Zach is going to own own the all timer forever because of homie rollers. Like, yeah. Like, there's no there's no getting near that. But it needs it needs a review score of its own. It needs like homie rollers out of ten for its historical precedence. <laughs> Like it, it needs its own score. It's not, it's not sufficient that it's got a one. I gave this homie rollers out of ten. Yeah, it, like it, <laughs> it, 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 like That's I said, great. the score, the score is ultimately a qualitative metric. So if we, if NWR just decided, um, as our own prerogative that there's a special score, it's called homie rollers out of ten, and it's, it is 
it does not reach the zeros, which is a game that just doesn't function. Um, but it, it, it breaks through the bottom of the score and has somehow managed to wrap its way back around. Um, I'm fine with that. I'm fine where, where we get to a place where somebody says like, we've created, we've created the, uh, the anti review. That's another thing though that movies and TVs can have. You can hate watch a TV show and enjoy it. You can hate watch a movie and enjoy it. I don't know that you can hate play a video game and enjoy it because it's too active. It's too frustrating. Yeah, like you just get a lot of times a really hellaciously bad game is extremely frustrating to experience. Um, you know, there's a I, I talked about it back when we were doing the Patreon. Um, there's this this anime from the '60s uh, called Charge Man Ken, um, and it's it's so bad it's alleged that it killed the studio that made it. Um, I've played it or I've watched it. I've watched the whole show. It's completely unfollowable. It doesn't make any sense. None of the characters do anything of value at any point. Our hero is a boy who has a, raz- a laser gun that evaporates beings from existence. Normally, he's using it to kill aliens who are invading Earth, but a lot of times the aliens are dressed as people in people skin, and he doesn't know they're aliens. He just assumes and starts blasting. Would it kill a person? Oh, yeah. Did we give this power to an eight-year-old? Sure did. Does he use it responsibly? Never. And so, like, it's just an entire show of that. The show was aired out of order, so if you watch it in the release order, it doesn't make any sense, which is impressive. Um, there, are, there are, like, story events where they tried to have a plot, but they they happen in the wrong order. So you just go, like, what the, fu- what the fuck is happening? Uh, it's eight minutes of madness every time. There's an episode about giving kids psychedelic mushrooms so they don't do their homework, and somehow the aliens will use that to take over the world. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. There's a hair on the camera a lot. You know, it's it's a, it's a cell animation. So I took pictures of cells. Frequently, there are hairs on the cell, and you can see them, and they're very distracting. This could happen. You know, a hair falls into the camera. <laughs> Most animation would catch this uh... and reshoot. They didn't, because fuck it. Sorry, uh, I'm just reading the Homie Rollers review. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, it's, the, it's amazing. The, the tagline, oh, when will death come? <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I... <laughs> I, I watched that I watched that show front to back and had a great time. I, a game that fails that fundamentally, <laughs> you will not have a great time. You'll be playing homies rollers and you'll be I, miserable. Man, I forgot how, how many terrible games that's <laughs> It's amazing. It's incredible. He he kind of goes on, he's like, one of my friends asked me the other day why I review awful, horrible, cramp inducing shovelware without pay. My knee-jerk answer was free games in the mail, but there's a larger, a larger, nobler motivation at work here. In playing such dreck as Animates, B-Movie Game, Rockstar Presents Table Tennis, and most recently Spitfire Heroes, there comes a responsibility to relate to the public just how terrible these games are. Homies Rollers <laughs> isn't even Zach's lowest score. If that's just, the part that's if amazing. Ju- if just one kid reads my review and avoids playing Nitro Bike, it'll be all be worth it. <laughs> I also get lots of free store credit. Um, so Zach had a lot of personal time that he could use to review games, so he would just be like, "Yeah, give me whatever." And I mean, like, that here's, became here's a the, challenge. Here's the worst of the worst, right? Uh, so the the games that have got a one are Bakugan, Champions of Vistroya for the Switch, which is recent, and Reggie was shilling yeah. it. Uh, tested with with robots for Wii that, U. By, that's a Don. By that's a Don review. Yep. Flap oh, yeah. and Zagata. That's another Don. That's another Don review. Yep. Yeah, on Wii U. Uh, the Smurfs 2 on on DS by Josh Max. That's a one. Yep. 
Uh, Family Party, Thirty Great Games, Obstacle Arcade on Wii U by Zach yeah. Kaplan. That's another one. Cake, uh, Cake Ni- Ninja Two. That's by you. By me. That's you. Uh, you gave that a one. Uh, Chronicles of Vampires: The Awakening on DS. That was Zach. Uh, he got. I got a one. Charlie's Angels for GameCube by Jeff Shirley. Jeff Shirley. Got a one. Yep. Fighting this one in that. Yep. Um, That's the one. His the only pro in that game is if you shoot a bullet through the center hole of a GameCube disc, you're a really good shot. That's, <laughs> that was his. That was his pro. Yeah. Uh, Red Colony got a one point five on Switch by that Zach was Miller. Zach. Yep. Uh, Energy Invasion on Switch got That's a one point five from Don. Don's put in. He's put in some work. Don put in the work. He's put in some work. A suspension railroad simulator. I remember that one on Wii U from Don. That's one point yep. five. Uh, Candy Match Three Curtis. on 3DS. Don Koopman. One point five. Don? Okay. Yep. Crash okay. in the Boys Street Challenge. Yeah, on Crash 3DS. in the Boys. There's Curtis. <laughs> Curtis Bonds. I got a one point five. Uh, yeah. Chevy uh, Com- Chevrolet Camaro Wild Ride 3D. I remember on that one. Yeah. 3DS from Don. One point five. Uh, man, if there's a guy that knows what a 1.5 is, it's, it's Don Koopman. Um, <laughs> uh, Minna No Ashaberry Chat on 3DS by Don, 1.5. That one doesn't work. That's pretty amazing. I mean, yep. it works, but also doesn't. Yeah. Uh, Zombiescape, Crazy Hunter from James, uh, no, The Hidden. The Crazy Hunter, yeah, that's Homie, that's oh, homie Rollers, yeah. uh, and My Horse and Me, those roll out the 1.5s. Yeah, uh, like, rounds, so, rounds them out. We've, we've reviewed thousands of games on this site. And like, that's it. That's the whole list of ones and one fives because yeah. they're so there's, and I was able to name the reviewer for a lot of them because I remember those games. I remember those reviews coming through. I remember like somebody posting an email and they, like they would, would request somebody edit it and the, you know, we, we would send an email to our editing alias and the normally the text is like, Hey, I've got a review up. Uh, it might be, it might include like embargo date is Wednesday or something like that. And sometimes you would see one where the text is just like guttural sound. It'd just yeah. be like, ugh. And you're like, yeah. Oh, I need to open that one. Yeah, I need give- to open up the word doc and like ghosts would fly out of the screen. Yeah. We've given out, um, eight, uh, ones and 12 1.5s in the entire history of the site. Yeah. Which is way more than we, which is way less than we've given out tens. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think I think I think a one is actually harder than a ten. I think the fact I've seen a one is kind of amazing. Well, yeah, because you're looking for something, right? Like you want to give it to not give it a one. Like every fiber of your being is like this can't be the bottom of the barrel because this is the bottom. I am saying this is the worst possible game this could be and still boot. Yeah. So like. At that point, it's, it's almost the inverse. I'm looking, so like I said, the thing to take away 10 is like something that takes me out of the fun I'm having with the game. Like it's substantial hindrance to the fun. I'm looking for a substantial, stu- like substantial um, alleviation of suffering. I'm looking for anything that makes me feel whole again for even a microsecond. Yeah. I mean, this, and, this site, this site is coming up on, uh, I mean, basically 24 years. I think this yes. is the 24th year that this site has been up. And, We've given out eight ones in 24 yeah. years. Yeah. It, like, you you want something to make you feel anything positive. For I mean, like I said, Crazy Hunter got a .5 because I thought the water looked so good they must have stolen it. That's all you have to do to get a .5. Be good at one graphical effect. <laughs> Be good make, at ripping off another, another... Make me the nice water guy from the Nintendo's failed social media project. For a second, congratulations, you're not a one. So Cake Ninja 2 couldn't even pull that off. 
Mm-hmm. Cake Ninja 2 is a game. It's Fruit Ninja with cakes if you can't figure that out. I don't know there's a Cake Ninja <laughs> 1. I'm not sure. But the most pressing thing is I didn't realize they were supposed to be cakes even though the game is called Cake Ninja. It looks that bad. And it's the only thing on screen. Like, there's nothing. It's the absolute barren. It's, it's you know, Mercury is closest to the sun, but Venus is so much hotter because of its atmosphere. It's the surface of fucking Venus, that game. You are looking for anything, any sign of life, but it has been blasted away by just the absolute abject heat and pressure of what is the worst place in the world. That's a one. It's, it is magnificent in its failure. It is, it is an icon. I have read every single one review on this site at least five times because there's something magical about them. And that's why having them reserved with their own magic number is important because you can go read their, like, I can basically tell you how Flappin' Zagata starts. Um, it, it's, it, it, I believe he just says like, I found it the worst Flappy Bird clone there is, which is a high bar because Flappy Bird sucks. Flappy Bird is a deliberately bad game that was given away for free to sell, to put ads in it and was so bad and caused so much trouble. The guy who made it basically went into hiding. This is worse than that. And it costs money. <laughs> so yeah, it, we, we need, we need a score like a one, at least how NWR reviews games. To, as like the contamination zone for Flappin' Zagata. A game so bad that Don Koopman opined about it years later. Don Koopman plays nothing but garbage. And he's like, oh, Flappin' Zagata. Jesus fucking Christ, Flappin' Zagata. Like these homie rollers, stuff like that. These games become punchlines for us. They become like the currency that we we talk about when we talk about game reviews because they are so exceptional. Their exceptionality might not be exceptional in the good way, but exceptional just means unique. And they are truly unique. They achieve things that no other product dares achieve, like being a bad Flappy Birds clone that cost money. And Don, God bless him, did a video. And like, if you watch the video, it's, it looks, it looks like something you would have gotten on a CD that was on the side of a box of kicks that you put in your Windows or Mac compatible computer in 1996. And he fucking, it's, it, it, it's, it's a game that costs $5 on Wii U. So yeah, like his review is is blistering. But if you read it, it's mostly just befuddlement. He's mostly just confused. And and yeah, it's sublime. Like I like that we have a score that can house this like museum of oddities that are these games that are all different in the way they achieve their badness. Like that's that's the beautiful thing about a one. There's so many ways to achieve a one. There's so many beautiful, fundamentally gorgeous ways to achieve a one. Achieving a 10 really requires you just basically check off all the checkboxes in what you what you've in in delivering the vision you've laid out for yourself. And that's why I think it's easier to get a 10 if your game is relatively straightforward and simple. Like you can achieve the best achievable version of that idea, that concept if that concept is really simple. Um if you're trying to do that on a game with the complexities of a Breath of the Wild, 
you know, a game with that much production value. Like production value buys you review points. It just does. Like if your game looks really good and performs well, it has good sound and good music and nice voice acting. Like, yeah, there probably is a floor for your review score. Yeah, that's like most games that get an eight on the internet. Like, yeah, you've achieved like you you achieved artistry and technical and technical merit. You may not stand out. But like, you know, you've achieved a baseline that, yeah, you're going to get a decent review score because you put in the, the effort. It's the same with movies. Like there are precious few movies where the budget is completely asinine, insane, and they're just bad. And that's why when it happens, they're, they're memorable. All those Michael Bay Transformers movies, yeah. they're, they're obscenely expensive and they're god awful. Yeah. And like, like that's bad. why they're they're held up as this like paragon of the bad movie because they are so expensive and there's so much production value. You're like, well, they've got to at least be like have a redeeming quality, and they don't, not at all. Yeah, I mean, you can throw enough money at something that it has enough production value that that can pretty much distract from the mediocrity of it. Right. So if you're still bad with that much production value, you've done something special. Yeah. Like I, I just I recently I had never seen Avatar and I watched Avatar and I'm like. This is a very mediocre movie, but it's pretty to look at. So in, eh. in a three in a three D IMAX theater, which is how I saw that movie, but way back when, I was like, the story sucks. But yep. I that I didn't have that thought until after I left the theater. In the theater, I was just sort of taking in visuals. Yeah, exactly. That game is it so. Was, I mean, that movie is so visually impressive that you're just like, eh, yeah, story sucked, it, but looked really it's, good. It's Brave New World's feelies. Ultimately, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're, we're dropping literature on here. Um, I don't know. Is, is Huxley literature? I guess it's it's a little bit it's a little bit trite, but um, you know, you, you can walk out of the Avatar, which is which is now made like two billion dollars in the sequel that no one asked for, but here it is. It's like, so what do I know? Um, and be like, oh. I, I guess I saw that and it was really pretty and nice, but it whatever. I mean, this is why all those Zack Snyder movies got made fun of. They were obscenely expensive. They had a ton of production value and they you couldn't watch them because they were too fucking dark. It's like, what a, what an achievement. You're an artist. We spent like an hour on this email and I'm I'm passionate about it because I <laughs> I, I got called out. But I I actually like the way that I that I score things. I think I think, you know, I, I give I give a lot of sixes. I give a lot of sevens. I, I, but that's also bias. You know, I didn't get a lot of the, of like the, the top tier games and now I don't review much at all. So if I do, I'm really just going like, Hey, you guys, I know we have a big backlog. Let me help you out. Give me something. Would you give Ogre, Ogre Battle 64? Or would you give that a 10 out of 10? Oh, fuck no. That game is broken as shit. I would give that game an eight. It doesn't mean I don't love it. I adore that game. But but that game is absolutely like busted in a million different ways. Um, I can I can shatter that game now now that I know the ways. In mm-hmm. under you know, I, the speed run for that game has got to be like six hours because there's so many ways you can just dismember it. Yep. And it's its story is goofy and weird, and there's all kinds of like bad localization that sometimes leads to like weird I I don't know if it's implicit like intentional uh undertones of conversations where it's like are they supposed to be a couple is yeah. that what this is and it's like no I don't think so I think the writers just 
used the wrong word there and made it come off more romantic than they intend because this scene's not really meant to be romantic, I don't think. Because they're talking about I'm gonna how I'm gonna eat the soul of a demon and turn into a demon, and it's like, uh, but yeah. it's but, yeah, yeah. No yeah. need to no need to go down that rabbit hole. But I was curious to get your hot take on that whether you would give it a ten out of no, ten or no, not no, no, yeah. no, not even close. Yep. Um. So yeah, but I but that doesn't mean I can't love it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a seven. There's a game that's a seven that I adore, but it's seven. I think it just is what it is. Uh, all right, we went really long on one email, and I hate that. I hate that because we have other emails I wanted to do. So, gentlemen, what should we do? I don't. I, I didn't really get to to say much about the, the, oh, the topic, and it was mostly like the one rant. Well, I don't know how to follow that up. But is there is there something you want to dig into? Well, I I, I find it interesting to compare some of the. Um, yeah, like compare like movie reviewing with uh, you know video game reviewing, and I know that there are differences just because of the the size of games and also the uh, the, the 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 time that it takes to to make games now. Like it probably dwarfs the time it takes to to make a decent movie. Um, but it's uh so so there's this kind of this uh, I don't know what to call it. I don't know exactly what they are. If they're like some sort of foundation or some sort of company, but like, there's like this uh, Quebec institution i suppose that uh their their mission wait i've got several <laughs> pages open right now its mission is to promote c- cinema knowledge and to i'm translating on the fly here and to foster the development of uh, critical s- sense uh in the uh, and uh moviegoers um, so that's its stated mission. And so like they, they basically have like this rating from one to seven. One is like masterpiece. Two is oh, remarkable. Oh God, they start at the bottom of this. Oh geez. Right. But, but anyway, so two remarkable, three, very good, four, good, five, uh, average, six, poor, and seven is, uh, like crummy. I guess it translates as or, or, uh, lousy. Um, so a lot of movies, like you can see an average of five movie, like usually that's going to be perfectly watchable. Apparently uh, Quantum Mania got a five recently. I'm sure it's like a good time in theaters, but the, the, the more you get up uh, in the scale, the, the, the better it is, I guess. Like two is remarkable, but it's interesting because the, uh, something that I've seen recently. So th- there's was this like Quebec movie that got a two recently and I, I guess, like, during the discussion around that, uh, they, they were saying, like, well, why didn't get a one? Well, they don't consider movies for a, a, a one rating uh, unless they're at least 20 years old. So you can't get, like, the masterpiece rating until you get reevaluated, like, 20 years later. Um, and you kind of have to have achieved the, the, the remarkable rating, the two rating, uh, in the first place. Like, it can't just be, like... Any old movie, it, like, gets revisited. Like, it has to to be remarkable. It has to be like at the moment, kind of be like may have an impact with the, the the critics, I suppose. But what if the critics were wrong? Like, that does happen. Like, that the critics- that, that is, yeah, that's one of the things that I find interesting here because, like, I, I I look at their criteria for a masterpiece, and of course, you know, masterpiece like is used correctly here. Basically, you can't have like uh, one. I guess like one movie maker can't really have several masterpieces. Also, like you can't have a masterpiece and only have made one movie. Um, what? 
it, it seems like yeah like that's so so you know there are different uh i guess like philosophies behind i guess like movie criticism yeah, that, or like that's, a that's more akin to putting someone in the hall of fame of a sports league yeah. In terms of we gotta we gotta have the cooling off period I, after I, they've I, retired and I, consider them you know in a historical I, context uh, once I, that's I, surpassed. I, I, I struggle with the idea though that that you can well, all. I'm I'm having a little bit of trouble here parsing if like the these like criteria are have all to be true or if like it can be one or the other oh, okay because like it can be a pioneering movie in the history of cinema so like they gave a, a citizen kane as an example also birth of a nation uh, it has to be a, a i don't know how to translate that like an important Notable you know, or in a in a yeah notable in a genre or a an an artistic movement. So Nosferatu for German expressionism, um, singing in the rain for musical comedy, um, oh. yeah, or uh, and or I don't know which. Uh, it has to be a a, a uh, again notable erv by an incontested master of cinema. So Vertigo by Hitchcock or Gold Rush by Chaplin, etc. So in that case, they're saying because the 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 master of cinema, which is which is just a designation, and mm. because it is the most notable production from that person, therefore this is. Well, I guess like that makes it like that. You know, it can be considered. Like those are movies, I guess that they gave a one to, but uh, I, I just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I would have to read these uh, the because they do have, you know, a text that comp- uh, that accompanies this. But usually, it's weird because like th- these um, ratings are basically like distributed to every <laughs> TV guide here. Um, like the that, that's basically what you see. Like if you had a TV guide back in the day. Like you would see the, the these ratings in it. Um, I don't I, know. It's it's that, it's really interesting. I, that system feels un, unnecessarily convoluted. Like it it feels like a system desi- designated by people who pursue a PhD in a field where the only outcome of getting the PhD there is teaching other people to get the PhD there. Like if it it's it's analytical it's it's applying analytics in a way that I don't necessarily see the 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 value in making it a like a t it's, it's almost not like a score it's almost like a pyramid yeah like they've created yeah. this like a pyramid yeah. yeah like this this hall of fame movie pyramid um I, it, it's I don't know like I guess but it is interesting for like you know like we could debate its its merits but uh, I do find it more interesting that what than what I see as the reality in Video game criticism, which is, you know, it feels more like it falls into the the, the product review side. Yeah, the consumer report, the the kind of yeah. element, which I mean, is again, is more pertinent to the video game medium because there is a lot of like, well, how well does it work? You right. Know, like, right. You know, which is why, again, you have that uh, threshold of like, well, if it boots and runs, you know, it, it can at least be worth a one kind of thing. You know, that that functional aspect 
that's much more tangible than it is with films. You know, the 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 the, the, well, I don't know, the, the projector wouldn't run. I mean, yeah, it lends itself to that consumer report type uh, approach, which you know certainly has its uses. But um, you know, obviously, it tends to make everything very much of the moment as well you know because it's all about you know well how how well can we expect games to work at the present time and how well does it work relative to other things you know how good is the frame rate compared to other games of a similar type how high is the resolution how uh, sort of advanced are the lighting effects or these sorts of things uh which is you know completely divorced from the notion of let's wait several years and then see whether we think this thing is worthy of consideration for being in the sort of pantheon of the greatest in its class um you know that that's a uh, by definition a much longer view right but mm-hmm. I, it's a, it's also not a view that helps someone trying to decide if they want to buy a game for yeah, a purchase decision stuff functioning yeah. in that's, six and, years and again again quite aside from the nature of the medium itself uh, right. it's a question, the, the, the purchase element, the consumer, you know, report element is, I think, uh, more prized when people consume, uh, games media criticism because the games generally are far more expensive than films. And oh, therefore yeah. there is more fear of, you know, wasting one's money. I mean, that, that, that's, you know, it's like where you could go and see a film that was a bust. Uh, you know, but, um, how much have you lost? Well, you've lost, you know, some time and some money, but, you know, a, a lot of the time that might be well within the realm of an acceptable loss. Uh, but if, if with the equivalent transaction with a game, people might feel that a lot more, uh, severely, depending on how tight their budget is. Um, and therefore, you know, they, they're much more in the market for. Is this going to be worth my time and money? Because it really has to be for seventy bucks or whatever you might say. Right. Mm. There's also kind of like the the constant mash, march forward of technology and time that makes me like personally like there are several old games that I, I put on the pedestal uh, that if I tried to go back to them I don't think I could. In I fact, th- like I, I've tested that and I I don't think I. You well, know, like just to take two examples, but like maybe maybe like the, their nature uh, kind of works against them. But Dragon Quest V and Final uh, Fantasy Star Four, they're, they're kind of two old school RPGs that I discovered late. Uh, but but like at the time, at the moment that I was playing them, I had nothing but time. It seems so. I had you know I, I managed to get through them uh, and like really enjoyed them. And I was like, wow, like these are these gems that i should have discovered earlier but i'm playing them now and i'm so thankful and like definitely like these two are like now in my top five of rpgs of all time alongside chrono trigger etc um and then like just like a couple of years ago i think i i I, during the pandemic i was like let me revisit dragon quest 5 and uh i got maybe five hours into it just uh long enough to be reminded of a, a joke about uh this guy who's scared of frogs, uh, whose name is Frank, Frank Ophobe. Um, that's that's like, pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I was like, shit, I didn't remember that. But also, I think I've played enough of this. So I don't need to keep playing. Uh, that was probably the highlight. Um, but yeah, like it, it just makes me wonder. Like th- there are some 
games that I truly loved and I that I thought like you know I got into message board the arguments about back in the day. That's just being um, a kid though. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose so. But like, but I don't know. I, I guess I, I've been. I, I don't know. I was thirty. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was. Uh, I, I mean, kid, kid is all relative. Yeah. I, I I do I do want to say though that that the other thing that's that that you mentioned that you touched on is like the 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 constant march of progress of the form and of the technology that supports the forms, um, and how we refine the components of the game. Like even even if you take out the fact that the tech gets better and we're able to do more. Like we make refinements on the backs or in the shoulders of games that come before, so every so games should get better, even if the technology doesn't, because we should understand the what works and what doesn't based on the experiments that are being done by other developers before us. But you mentioned a movie, and actually gave me the reaction to it that gets that's also happening there. It was in that list of two movies. Birth of a Nation is a repugnantly racist film. I've watched the whole thing front to back in an academic setting. It is virulently racist. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I don't recommend people... Well, let me rephrase that. I don't recommend watching it as a piece of cinema. I absolutely positively recommend watching it if you are interested in cinema as an art form. But watching it with context, with contextual information about where cinema was before that. Watch movies. Watch like the top grossing movies before that movie comes out and then watch them after. And you'll you'll see what that movie did. You'll see why that movie. Why while we have to hold our tongue, our noses. Excuse me, our tongues. We have to hold our noses while we talk about that movie. Why we unfortunately still have to talk about it. Because if you go read reception of that movie, where obviously it being virulently racist wasn't as big of a deal, but if you read perception at the time, it's not the virulent racism that jumps out to the people who are writing about it in the moment. It's it's what it's doing that nobody was doing before. Like the the production, it's that production value thing again was so high. The concept of producing the film, those backlot films of the of the thirties, uh, those really expensive ones like uh, Cleopatra Queen of the Nile, which comes afterwards and is directly related to this film. I think it might have even had some of the same people working on it. Um, it's a god awful movie. It's fucking terrible. It's it's just garbage. But but. Even now, when you watch it, the production is so high. It's so intense. So much went into it. There's so much, like especially if you've been watching in the context of films that came out around it, um, you can see why somebody watching it in I think it was like 1932 or something would have had their mind completely blown. Would have been unable to speak. That the idea that any movie could come out and compete with it in terms of quality would have been laughable. Because, the, the I mean, the production of that movie was so big that it took up a big chunk of L.A. for a, like 10 years. Because the sets were so massive that they just didn't, it would cost too much to tear them down. They eventually were burned probably by arson. In fact, it's, that's a B-plot in, um, uh, what's that Rockstar game? L.A. Noir. Yeah, that's a B-plot in L.A. Noir. Uh, is it's like, yeah, that that march happened in all forms, in all artistry forms, in all you know, television. Go look, go back and watch early television. It's fucking terrible. It's terrible. It's got nothing redeeming about it. 
It really isn't until like, I don't know, the 60s where you start to see like people come in with novel ideas and do stuff and bring in ideas that we didn't have previously. And those remain classics. Even when you go watch them now, it goes really not that funny because they pushed the limit of what the medium, what people thought the medium could do. And as a consequence, they're rewarded. I do think there's an extra like concern for the artist in cinema and to a lesser degree television because you can associate the work with a person so it's not like you know it's it's not just like a random movie it's insert director's name here's movie and so you get this people who write about the the art world uh, tend to or the film world tend to be more concerned with the artist than the product in that respect so they write a lot about the person who wrote it they become they become emotionally attached to their works and they can connect more to the the meaning the subtext they know the mental place that that artist is coming from and they can try to intuit out they can extract subtext even if it's not there because they know other other things this person has produced and they can contextualize it in that sense whereas video games are these big collaborative efforts and the one place where this really happens is kojima and it's bullshit because there's eight thousand other people working on his game but he wants to make movies anyway so he acts like he's a goddamn film director and so i i do think that that also colors how reviews are written like it, they they don't review it so much like a product they're reviewing it more like an art piece because they're reviewing it as the perspective of the director even if the director didn't write the goddamn thing like it's not the director's words well and that's also why people really don't cringe at the nonsensical nature of his stories they're like oh it's kojima he's right he's a visionary genius right I must get it. it there, there probably is an emperor's new clothes effect in some films when, when certain directors, where it's like, ah, this must be genius because I don't, I, I obviously get it. And where if you actually go watch, you're like, no, this, it, this movie is just kind of a miss. Um, we, we were talking about Gordon Gecko before, before we went live. <laughs> that movie's apparently kind of a miss because there are people who walked out of it with entirely the wrong message. Um, but. Gil, when you were mentioning, like, uh, you know, it doesn't take as long to consume a a film as it does a movie. I almost wanted to interject, well, unless you're consuming a Peter Jackson film. But Peter Jackson gets away with. Bad Taste is uh, one of the movies that got a seven that was given the the bottom bottom tier, Bad Taste. Mm -hmm. I mean, but Bad Taste would have been thrilled to get a seven. Uh, Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually seen. I remember seeing a very. I think it was Bad Taste rather than one of the other early splatter films of his. Was on TV in the UK in the nineties. I saw a few minutes. I thought this just looks like total shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So you know, I might might have it might have enjoyed it more if I'd you know kind of. Got more of the the actual vibe that they were going for, rather than just it seems terrible. But yeah, that's, that's the, there you go. It, you know, there's there's things like movie thirty two, which is that movie that got that a bunch of actors sued because they didn't realize they were like it's a hidden camera film. It's fucking awful. It got it got horrific reviews, but they they made a completely self aware. Actually, no, I have a better example: the Jackass films. Those films are completely self aware. And the first film got pretty bad reviews. That one that just came out got remarkably, for it, high reviews. Why? Well, critics caught on to it being self-aware. 
and that's reflected in the reviews. It's like, oh, actually, they, of of this type of thing that they are making, they made the pinnacle of it. And also, people died. Re- movie reviewers died or retired, and other people replaced them who were more in line with what um, the Jackass crew was doing because they were probably kids when the, that show first went on the air. Like so, so the forms do evolve as well, and so like even something that's reviewed as ne- as really ne- like horrifically bad, people can come around on. Like I imagine that um, there's some David Lynch reviews that if the reviewer got a second shot at them would. Completely- oh, there's quite a number of Lynch films that were not well thought of when they came. Firewalk with Me, the Twin Peaks prequel film, is it was yeah. was not reviewed well by quite a few people. Lost Highway, I think, actually put the two thumbs down from Siskel and Eber on the poster as a mark of pride that they didn't like it and I I like that film very much and I imagine yeah many critics of today probably look on it more favorably than their counterparts did in the mid 90s although I'm sure there were there were definitely people that liked it then also oh oh yeah I wouldn't be surprised if some of those critics though if given a second might even have you come around on it maybe possibly yeah or at least caught on to what they were doing and and made a different you know reach a different or or they've just softened on lynch as well, a person yeah well that's the thing because that's why I, I mean i mean I've, I've said i think i've mentioned it on the air before like mulholland drive is probably my favorite film but yeah. i don't think it's that much better than lost highway and firewalk with me you know what i mean like so it is really weird mm. that those films did not review that well and yet Mulholland Drive is not just my favorite film it's often referred to as one of the great films of the 21st century so far it is extremely reviewed very well and and continues to be regarded in the highest esteem and it's well, like it's it's a lot of the same stuff you know it's it's, uh, it's well, in your old me it would just tell you like it's because of the lesbian sex scene well, well so it's not that hard to figure out. So I can give you an answer that's even more depressing than that, and it's probably true. Movie critics and cinema fucking get the biggest direction when you write about movie production. Oh, and sure, cinema. yeah, but I mean, I, it, a lot of a lot of Lynch's stuff is, uh, you know, kind of fetishizes old Hollywood. That isn't anything entirely oh. specific to Mulholland Drive, but obviously it's re- it's very nested in the film industry that, you know, in a way that, that the other films aren't that mm-hmm. spiel that spielberg movie right now if you read their reviews they're they're just they're sexual it's like <laughs> calm down calm fucking down i know what spielberg can do i'm very aware of his strengths and weaknesses there's no way this movie is as good as you i get it he wrote a movie about a love of movies calm down uh, if you made a video game about a love of video games, I don't think I think video game reviewers are probably a bit more jaded and would be like, "Are you fucking for real? What are you doing?" Oh, they know, just go- you, do, you get that. You get this stuff like uh, yeah, Suda's stuff, like kind of has some no, of that right. in there. Mm. Right. Platinum stuff with like the references to Sega arcade games in the original Bayonetta, for instance. It's 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 always like paying homage to. You know the, uh, the the video games of their earlier lives or whatever. So yeah, and and they and they you know, will will review well. Though again, you know, if it's if it's done the right way, um, yeah, uh, that, that, that's probably uh, yeah. You're right. Enough. No, you're right. It probably is. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know. What were you about to say? 
Oh, just, um, again, like, it's just stuff that I've been reading recently, but uh, who is it? Like, Kristen Stewart, of all people, um, is, like, I think head of the jury for the, that German movie uh, festival, the Berninal. I don't know what it is in sure. other languages. But uh, anyway, and she she was um, saying, like, she hopes that they're, they're, the, the movie that they'll pick you know, for the grand prize is going to be uh, that people will disagree with it, which is not really a sense that that uh, is the that is the most art for art's sake shit in the world. Sure, but at the same time, like it's kind of refreshing compared to video game reviews, where I don't know, there's such a a, a again like th- this letter brought up Metacritic, and uh, I'm not sure if that's such a good thing, you know. Like I'm, I'm kind of scarred by this time that I went to PAX East, and I, I went to this panel about like game reviewing, and this reviewer, like I asked a question, like because she she said that she she didn't like GTA 4, but she gave a good review to it, and I was like, well, isn't that like uh, a disservice to people who read the review would have agreed with you not liking it like with your reason for reasons for not liking it but we're kind of swayed because you gave it a, a high score uh and anyway like she answered that like yeah but it was like manifestly like a well-made game i couldn't give it less than a well-made game made by professionals or whatever yeah. right <laughs> yeah i mean that that there is some truth to that phrase yeah there is there is you can something can be well crafted but not but but like good yeah like th- or, there's like this well, pressure to conform well, well, to the well, consensus I, I think i think you can review something and say like it's manifestly not for me but i but i can evaluate the artistry and its production and still still score it well it's just my personal but, tastes don't align with it yeah but at the same time like i i was playing it maybe like a few years removed so like sure like i think th- there was time for games to improve in general between the time i played gta 4 and the time that you know it had come out if only we had an but email we discussed the concept of the sort of zeitgeist so how important that is should i just read that email so we can whole... wrap that discussion in <laughs> i mean even at that time though i didn't understand the whole like oh yeah gta 4 is the godfather of video games no it's <sighs> no just, right it's not well, that's like just it's hype, just that's, that's, it's a silly that's hyperbole yeah it's, 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 so, it's it was like, so silly no metroid prime no, was the Citizen Kane. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the Citizen's Kane, except the, the climax scene is 32 minutes long. Right. Um, but, so, but, but GTA 4 had an Oscar-worthy story. If you, if you actually, I agree, if, because it was the story of several yeah. Oscar-winning <laughs> exactly. movies. It's not it's factually accurate. You know, if you complete yes. Metro Prime with 100% scans, 100% items, and fast enough, when she takes off a helmet, it just says Rosebud. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I thought maybe it just maybe it just told you that you'd played a significant game and just walked away. <laughs> just says significant William Randolph Hearst hates this game. <laughs> just, I mean, he might. I don't, I, have you asked him? You don't know. Uh, I I I actually think the 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 comment you you uh, pulled out from Christian Stewart just comes off as incredibly pretentious. Yeah. Well, yes and no. Like the context, no, no, there was some like context. Absolutely pretentious. The best no, but I makes mean, you uncomfortable. Like she, 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 she's talking about like these movies from <laughs> filmmakers who, you know, from other countries, like from countries who are that are actively uh, 
<laughs> the crapper right now, you know, like kind of uh, rebelling against our government or, you know, like uh, the social situations are happening there. So, you know, like th there's kind of more this view that that movies or art should challenge people should, you know, and I, I, I like this idea. But that's that, not. Uh, but uh, so what, what was the exact quote again? Well, I don't have the exact quote. I'm not translating it back from English. I don't know. Okay. You, could, you could construe it a few different ways, I suppose, but uh, it may be the, the uh, uh, sort of um, notion that, because you know, especially when it's, you know, you've got a jury, so it's, it's multiple people coming together to, you know, make right. a selection for the grand prize. You mm -hmm. know, do you end up just picking the thing that's the most agreeable? amongst those people right. and then it's like well it is the most agreeable it's got the fewest people that are like no no I, I can't get behind that because it's got this wrong with it it's got that wrong with it uh you right. know uh, versus like something that people actually passionately believe is really good but then other mm -hmm. people have you know uh, are not we struggle to get behind it like i guess it's kind of a process thing it's like well, well we'd rather have something where actually you know it, it, it isn't just the most agreeably nice film that we've uh you know kind of passed judgment over in this process it's it's the thing that that, that generates the most kind of uh passionately sort of positive reaction even if there's like negatives that come with that it, it could be i don't think it has to be pretentious i'm not saying it mm -hmm. isn't either <laughs> it, <laughs> right. it might just be a sort of a process well, point of view you know what i mean i'm kind of maybe i'm misremembering things but i'm uh, i was surprised when uh, a couple of episodes ago james you brought up the movie little miss sunshine as uh like as a positive because i feel like that movie kind of took its numbs um from like in the hindsight from people who were like well that wasn't such a good movie was it uh but but it was i, I think that it was like one of those like safe kind of agreeable choices like well this is this I has a little bit of everything uh, of I don't something know that for it everyone was that safe there's definitely stuff in there that's less safe than than yeah you, well eleanor can probably you know should be there, there should be a warning in general uh ahead of his movies but uh, it's, yeah, I don't know what joke I'm making here. Anyway. Yeah, I don't either. You've lost me completely. <laughs> um, Alan Arkin, unsafe for all audiences. I don't know. Do we, have, have we lost the zeitgeist of this email? Alan, Ar yeah, Alan Arkin is unsafe. That's the. There you go. I not. Oh, the the sound of furious typing. I think we need to stop. I think yeah, we, probably. I think we need to stop in general, but I think we need to stop this email in particular. We're at an hour forty. This was this was supposed to be the fast email this time. Oh, I mean, this is a good conversation, but this was supposed to be the quick email. This this was supposed to be the one so, we get through real so fast. So I had to read off all the ones, the one and a half. Yeah. That wasn't me. <laughs> that wasn't me. I didn't do it. Don't. Hey. That wasn't the that wasn't the majority of time. No, it really wasn't. I know. It wasn't. Sorry, <laughs> you're quite right. Was, no, but I'll will take whatever fall guy I can get. I know I did the most talking <laughs> here, but that's because I was passionate about it. Also, I got called out by name, so I'm allowed to. Yep, that's it. It's you teach anybody that wants to call out James in the future, he will filibuster you into the fucking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Please think of us. Think of us. <laughs> you don't talk anyway, John. What difference does it make? <laughs> well, we're not talking Depends. about the bullshit current version of the filibuster either. I'm talking old school. 
That's right. I will stand there and recite every one one out of ten movie I've ever seen, which is way too many. Hmm. I wouldn't even give the movie where somebody gives birth out of a pouch as a one out of ten. But that's just Christopher Lee's in it. The, uh, um, I thought that was Howling Three, whereas Christopher Lee's in Howling oh, right. Two. Oh, right. I've seen neither dropping. of these films, but I know score that dropping, from you're right. you. <laughs> that's right. He's in Howling Two. Howling Two's the one where. Your sister's a werewolf. It's how he greets somebody. It's so good. Sometimes you just, you know, you got to tell the hardest truth first, isn't it? Oh, with with such good delivery. All right. Well, um, at least we can call this episode "Howling to Your Sister's a Werewolf." I was so I was going to say looking for the contours of fun <laughs> was my vote early on, but you know that uh, that 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 works also. Um. All right, uh, Kiyomi, Anything else you want to say? I felt like I cut you off, and I feel bad about it. Um, no, I mean, like, uh, I think we can conclude by saying that we all agree that Crash, Crash was the best movie of 2004. Oh, fuck. Well, I'd, 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 I'd rather watch Cronenberg's Crash. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right, well, on that, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I guess we'll do some new business. I don't, well, we got to figure that out. Uh, so stay tuned and find out when we find out. We are back. We're going to do a, uh, a little bit of new business. Um, I want to handle a little bit first with Guillaume. Uh, so, Guillaume, are you by any chance still playing Blue Dragon? No, I'm not, James. Oh, well, that's a shame. All right. Well, um, moving on. Uh, let's talk about something something else that came out as a consequence of the direct. We're going to dig in a little bit on the Metroid Prime. What's the official title of this Just thing? Just remastered. Which remastered? arguably okay. might kind of undersell what it is in some ways i guess it really depends on your personal experience with you know games and how they uh you know tend to market themselves so oftentimes the remastered is is like in the pun territory where it's like oh we can't just say remastered it's gonna be remastered so <laughs> right i mean a lot a lot of times that just means remetroid stirred like yeah we did if, 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 if there'd been that sensibility at work perhaps that's what we would have uh <laughs> been given here but oh. uh, no it's just remastered and um you know i think uh before it came out uh, or well, before we knew about it, which was, you know, at the same time, basically. Um, you know, it's kind of said like, oh, if there's anything to the notion that, you know, they will release, uh, uh some amount of old Metroid Prime games to prepare for, you know, the, you know, this point, what can only still be considered theoretical fourth Metroid Prime game, uh, then, you know, don't bet on it being all three of them. Uh, mostly you know, because of the experience of, like, Galaxy 2 just being kind of right. forgotten about. Um, so, and the thing about that is with those, uh, 3D All-Star, that, that package, like, the, the kind of, remastering that's going on there is comparatively slight you know like i mean it's more of a just up version and they still didn't put galaxy 2 in the damn thing if you were talking about the level of graphical kind of overhaul that the, if you told me then that it's like oh yeah th- this is what we're talking about in terms of the amount of like new geometry uh, that they've done for the environment as well as totally like redoing the lighting and then improving the textures and all that kind of stuff then i think i would have said like yeah uh, don't 
I definitely don't expect uh, two and three just yet. I guess maybe it could be theoretically still possible if um, you know this did well enough or something. But uh, it, it it really do, it, yeah. They, it, there's been as soon as I saw it, you know, I think the the thing that struck me was the lighting. Um, and uh, on balance, that's still kind of the most striking thing about it is just how much it adds to the, the it was always a strength of the game you know, relative to its peers, you know, at the time was this feeling of, you know, the, the sense of place, uh, and that, that it had, obviously it's, you know, quite fantastical in its own way, but that it was immersive, you know, in its detail and it's sort of a relatively assiduous construction. The lighting being so much more kind of convincing and natural even in these weird locations really enhances that because especially the feeling of like natural light coming in in you know in, in a shaft through you know uh, a gap in a ceiling or you know, a window or breaks in the trees or stuff compared then with the kind of various other uh, kind of non-sunlight sources whether it's like uh, you know kind of little artificial lights in the mines or the, the glow of the phase on itself or whatever like it, it, it all feels different and that just makes it so much more rich and believable uh, this environment so like, that is the main thing but if you watch comparison videos like I did like the one that NWR's YouTube channel put out with John Red and kind of uh, looking at it but I probably underestimated how much they've done with the geometry like right. so it's so much better it's so much different like the, the, when you have like overgrown trees or stuff like that like, it's like oh yeah why well, this here <laughs> again you, you, I, I, it's a game played many times but not really played through it or played it for any significant amount of time uh, probably far past 2011 so it's still quite some time ago and and it is a case of like yeah you know that you know you remember it being this rich environment but you know they've they've really put a lot of work in to kind of make the game live up to that memory with this remaster John yeah um so you, ju- you just went from uh, a, a major remaster of a moody, atmospheric, corridor-based shooting game. That's the, yeah. I guess that's like a full-on remake, and this is almost, it's yeah. a little bit in between, isn't it? Because it's like, it's substantively the same game, but the graphical overhaul is a little bit more into remake territory than, again, <laughs> like just your up-resing of Galaxy or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I think um, what really surprised me was how modern it feels um Hmm. and just how how much i mean how much i could just kind of pick it up and run with it and how much it felt like just like yeah just like your typical first person shooter kind of thing um yeah i mean i thought it 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 looks really good um for what it is i mean i I don't think i mean i thought the original game looked great um, it's just, it's just a very smooth game to play. And it just goes to show that to me, that I think the art direction in the game is really good and stands up. Um, I haven't looked at any kind of side by side comparisons, but yeah, I mean, it still has a very unique, uh, like a very unique art, uh, a very unique uh, visual look to it. Uh, I, th- I think the soundtrack is excellent. 
Um, oh, yeah, it's always right. Yeah. There's the sound design in general, I'd say, you know, all the various sound effects and, you know, kind of it all feels, again, it just gives it a, a great sort of sense of place and, you know, that everything's kind of happening because it's, it's really quite, or certainly was for its day, again, like really detailed in that way. Yeah, and you realize how many, like, how influential it was in games that, games that came afterwards that, cribbed a lot of its elements like scanning stuff and and doing that kind of thing it's you play it and you think oh yeah well of course i can walk around and scan stuff but when this game was released that wasn't normal you didn't do that in first person shooters no but and you didn't that was jump in first person shooters or platform either. No, not not, not the same way. Well, no, the times we well, I suppose specifically from a Nintendo hardware owner's point of view, we wish we did it less uh, in two rock games. Yeah, so, yeah, but yeah, yeah but that's this, the thing. Like this whole thing like, led to Nintendo kind of trying to manage expectations, or yeah. you know, by calling it a, a FPA, a first person right. adventure, it's, as exactly. opposed first to first person adventure. We should we should yeah. honor them by making sure we maintain that phrasing. So we yeah. should. Yeah. Stop fair, I, it. I think it, it, they they did that very like that was a concerted effort to put that messaging out there. Like, do not expect this to be a shooter. Do not play it like a shooter when right. you get to play it. But I th- I feel like um you know like the the fans and the media of the time were, were very um, compliant with that wish. You know, like that that was a effectively a bit of marketing, yeah. uh, you know, that they put out there. And, and it was that message got through and, and was sort of repeated very uh, thoroughly, you know. So uh, it was, uh, I, th- I guess it was pretty effective, I think, uh, you know, insofar as it could be. Yeah, I mean, it's a first-person shooter. You play it now, and you're like, "Oh, this is a first-person shooter with certain elements that don't, that you know, aren't in, aren't normally in first-person shooters." And most first-person shooters, you can't roll around like a ball. You know, <laughs> no, there's some of the, ball, especially but, some of the more complex, like mazes, and you know, kind of uh, like with the magnetic uh, spider ball like stuff, mm-hmm. and all that. You got was doing like little time platform challenges as the ball, or you're rolling around in the half pipe with the boost and all that. Like it, it's it's yeah. really quite involved. I mean, it only would get more so in the sequels. They added more things that the ball could do, and they came up with more kind of uh, advanced level design for it. But you know, like. Uh, it, it, it's true. There's a lot. Of, there is a significant amount of stuff in here that was, you know, kind of uh, was. It's still odd for a game that you know most people would look at and think of, you know, in a first-person shooter context. But I think the thing about today is the, what an FPS can be has obviously been explored a lot more than what oh, it yeah. had been back then. You know, back then. Even though you'd had stuff like GoldenEye, obviously we talked about just recently with that coming out on the NSO, somewhat expanded like the idea of what an FPS could be in the first uh, single player. Uh, context, you know, in terms of like, oh, well, we've got, you know, mission objectives and stuff. It's not just a corridor game where you kill stuff until you can go to the next room. But that was still very much a process. And Metro Prime was like a big, like, blew a big hole in, like, okay, you know, it, 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 you could do a lot of things in the first person sort of paradigm. It doesn't have to be just, uh, you know, what people think of when they thought of like PC shooters in the 90s. Yeah, I mean, this is not too long after stuff like Turok 2, for example, which was 1998. 
not, like, not is, too far away either. Like, it's like these are some of the same people. Yeah, but, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 the overlap <laughs> between iguana and retro. Yeah, be, be Texas exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was this game was really a, a really a huge leap forward, um, and it feels right up there. Like I've I've played you know first per, like relatively recently I've played like you know like Doom um, Doom Three for example, which came out I think in two thousand four, and it doesn't feel as advanced as this game does. If that makes huh. sense, like it it feels more uh, it feels more um, it doesn't feel as as experimental. It's more of a straight-ahead first-person shooter. Oh, and, I, and it, it would be like that's yeah. I mean, we, we, it's, I mean, we it's kinda... Doom, but at the same time, it came out three years after this, and it fe- it almost feels older than Metroid Prime, if you know what I mean. Well, and, and that game was also going for a little bit of a retro nostalgia thing with the old Dooms because mm-hmm. it had been a while. Yeah, um, I, I do think it's Metroid, and and I say this as somebody who doesn't really like Metroid Prime that much. Um, at all, actually, I don't. I don't care for that game. Um, I like three. I think three feels really nice, um, and two. Bleh. Uh, but the what I find really interesting is is that it does have a bunch of stuff that it contributed to the form, and we we kind of talk about uh, RE four the same way, where it didn't necessarily seek out. To, it's not even necessarily a member of the the cover shooter genre that that came after it. But it laid out a bunch of pieces and building blocks that somebody else came back and reassembled into a different gameplay style. Um, and it, you know, it's a lot. I mean, we talked about it in the previous segment. I'm not, I don't want to go back there. I'm remiss to go back there. But people try out stuff in a product and they leave behind breadcrumbs, and that stuff can get picked up and played with and expanded and ex- ex- extracted and reoriented and and become something that the person who threw it out there never even occurred to them and maybe promoted to the core feature and i think metroid prime does a bunch of that i mean i remember uh there was a star wars game set in the episode three era on xbox and pc it's just like the commando one or something yeah yeah where it's like you're just a bunch of clone troopers um and it takes place right as um, the order to kill the Jedi kicks in, so like it's it's that, that like that's the middle part of the game. Um, so that game doesn't feel anything like Metroid Prime at all. It's not not even in the slightest. Um, but there's a lot of cues, including the like the fact that you're looking through a visor that's got stuff projected all over it. How the doors work, how you interact with stuff. That is clear. These people played Metroid Prime. A lot, um, and that like, I think that contributes to why when you see some of the stuff, some of these effects are still really cool, and so it doesn't feel quite so old. Whereas you know the things that took cues from Doom, they're more foundational. They're not like expanding out what the what the franchise, what the the genre is. I guess I don't. Know, I lost the plot of what I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit um, tough to make kind of like claims about like what uh games led to what change or what uh, sure. you know what it inspired because the 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 world of uh pc first person games is uh is pretty vast and like even yeah. before doom you know like there's always been dungeon crawlers and like those kind of 
at the same time as Doom was being uh, was coming out, uh, and you know John Romero amongst probably the others in the team as well, like they they were into RPGs and stuff like that, and they had ar- projects for RPGs as well, and that didn't turn out. But uh, th- there was stuff like um, Ultimate Underworld that was first person that didn't play. Uh, uh, like Doom, you know, but it, it was the the same kind of, uh, you know, first person um, uh, action. Uh, just you know, but it was dungeon crawling. But you did have an inventory. Uh, it was real time, but it was not. Uh, anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. But like, System Shock was 19. Uh, yeah. System Shock Two was 1999, so three years before Metroid Prime. Um, again, like, you know, fairly different, but it, it was trying things in terms of, uh, uh, immersion and, um, not just being a Doom clone, you know, like, uh, I think that, uh, after a few years, oh, yeah. you know, the, 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 the skin replacements for Doom taper out and, and developers <laughs> try something a little bit more you know like it's not just heretic and hexen like oh let's put a medieval fantasy skin on this um you know like they they actually try out stuff it's, it's, uh, a, it's a brand new game what are you talking about yeah like thief um was 1998 so before system right. shock 2 i think and yeah like so that was all about like stealth like what if instead of first person shooter we had a first person sneaker or something uh didn't catch on also it was I, the that, same that, 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 would have that had sounds the like additional... a peter molly do prompt yeah, possibly <laughs> it, it also has the does. additional problem of still being fps as a <laughs> right <laughs> <abbreviation>. yeah <laughs> But yeah, so so obviously, like I'm not trying to diminish uh, what Metro Prime brought. Uh, no, no. But it, the, I, I feel like some of the things that we attribute to it could also be kind of like the natural conclusion or or um, convergent evolution is the biological yeah, term for it. Yeah, like oh, I want to make this uh, this game as immersive as I can. You know, it's already in first person. What else can we do to make it more immersive? Well. Like, okay, my character is wearing a helmet, like, giving helmet effects. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have helmet said that effect. that way. Helmet but... of, uh, give me these helmet effects, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. So On that, the bright that, that side, seems... you're giving me titles, so that's great. Yeah, great. Uh, but, yeah, so that, that seems like maybe it could have been, like, independently uh, arrived at, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, and and yeah, yeah. some other developers did something else. Like, if their character didn't have a helmet, well, they were like, well, we, we don't want a HUD for our game. Uh, what if uh, instead we made our character a woman and you look down at her breast, at her tattoo of a heart, to, right, to see I'm, it depleting, I'm... and that's the HUD to tell you that the, her health is going down. Okay, um, could you... It, it, with this theoretical game had a name, would you by chance be able to theoretically tell me what it is? Uh, sure, Trespasser. Uh, Great! I'm yeah. gonna go. Go- I'm gonna go buy that right now. That okay. sounds amazing. <laughs> it's uh, based on the Jurassic Park franchise, if you can believe it or not. Oh, never mind. I'm out. It's Jurassic Park video game. Well, it's very janky. <laughs> yeah, I said it's a Jurassic Park video <laughs> game. It's it's one of those games that some people are are trying to. Uh, uh, what's the word? Oh, this is the one. Or... This is the one that had the lenticular box cover, right? Isn't and you that could, all like... PC games from that era? No. <laughs> No, this one, the entire box cover was like a, a raptor. Okay. And you could, like, turn it, and it would look like, ah, I'm coming at you. <laughs> anyway, apparently it tried game. some interesting things, but it failed at uh, pulling them off. 
Also, I, yeah, that's a pretty stupid idea that I described. But uh, it's, it yeah. sounds amazing. The, um, the 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 point is, yeah, like uh, retro, like they managed to to. Yeah, like to to that think of like interesting idea. things to do to to zig where other shooters were zagging, and also they they pulled it off, which uh, it, you know was not easy. It's 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 always you know trying out experiments and seeing what sticks. And yeah, you're right. It, it, this could be convergent evolution. It could be somebody played Metroid Prime and loved it. Um, but just getting there first or getting getting noticed first in that space is 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 the significance, I suppose. Uh, because ultimately, it doesn't really matter who, you know, if it was a borrowed idea or, uh, I mean, there are obviously situations where the idea is like, oh, you've just, you've just straight taken this. I'm looking directly at you, Genshin Impact, that looks like fucking Breath of the Wild. Um, but, uh, that's actually a bad example. The Ubisoft one about Greece is a more pressing. Immort- Immortals, was Immortals it? Rising, or. It's no. like, okay, all right, all right, calm down. Um, but, you know, to John's point, though, which led us down this whole this whole tangent of just like how it still feels new. It, it may be more that they haven't come up with something that replaces it either. Yeah, well, it's just certainly it hasn't been an original, you know, Prime game since oh seven. So there's been know, an original that... Prime number though. It's four, ironically yeah, enough. Sure, yeah, but uh, that that's part of it. I think it you know it feels a little relatively fresh, you know, compared to certain other like you know sort of uh, genres or series, you know, that uh, you know Nintendo's been dealing in uh, over that time. But uh, it's it's tough. It's tough for me to evaluate how well it holds up or how much other people would like it because it's it is one of these games that I've played so very thoroughly the first time you know, I've, I've definitely the, the first time round you know it's at the end of 02 and early 03 uh, but even you know times after that on GameCube and then on the trilogy on Wii the, I, I've just completely lost the ability to like say well what if I didn't know roughly what to do you know, kind of thing. Like, I just, it's, it's difficult to, in fact, there's, there's some things, especially things that just stick out in my memory from playing it back then that I, you can look at it, uh, you know, it's kind of evaluating, um, some drawbacks with it. Cause that's the thing. I mean, I did, uh, absolutely adore the game, uh, very much so, but the, as, as generally my way with things, especially, you know, around that time, the things that I really, really loved, I just, would wring absolutely every last bit of enjoyment out of it to the point that you got, you really did end up seeing the things that weren't so good about it, you know, and then you mm. could, uh, you know, kind of, you end up remembering the things that it lacked, uh, you know, quite a lot, uh, quite vividly, you know, compared to like other games that maybe you, you liked, but you just didn't, you know, kind of play to exhaustion the, the way I did with this. I mean, it's funny. It, I mean, it's been, it brought back a lot of memories, uh, you know, and funny enough, a lot of memories you know, of that original playthrough because i was wondering like yeah i I played this game probably in you know oh five oh six ten eleven you know through the trilogy and stuff so it's like you know what what is it going to bring back memories of and it was very much that first time playing it that that it reminded me of uh especially i think because i went with basically the control scheme that is the original control scheme but with like gyro aiming as well 
Um, which, you know, kind of, I just thought, well, I, I, I really like the trilogy controls. And if I play this again, I might use the dual stick, like just to see, you know, like, okay, how does this function as a sort of, you know, a, a kind of standard FPS control game now? But for this one, I kind of wanted to go back to that original feel. Uh, with the controls just to again put myself more in those shoes and kind of evaluate as best I could you know how well that original design holds up and you know bringing back uh, all those memories uh, one of the things it reminded me of is um, going to see the two towers in the cinema because that was the same Christmas that I played this uh, and it's very much the same with that movie or those Lords of the Rings movies. Like, I love those movies intensely. They're some of my favourite films ever. However, I can also, like, vividly tell you all the lines that Gimli has that are just dreadful that yeah. I wish weren't there. <laughs> but you it's know, the same and, thing. It's the, the same feeling for me, though. effects or, you where... know, like, all the stuff that sucks, I remember. Really yeah, well. but it's the same sort of thing, though, where much like the Lord of the Rings movies, where I was so blown away by seeing that world brought to life so well. Sure. I mean, uh, that, that, is, that Prime is... is exactly that. I, I just remember, especially going through when I first started playing and, and you're going through that first area where everything is on fire and the, the dead parasite queen is there. And it's just this kind of feeling like, holy crap, what is even going on here? What, you know, it's like, I just remember this, it's just like this magical feeling of going through that scene of this world that you had only seen a uh, kind of like a cardboard cutout of all of a sudden just realized completely totally fleshed out in front no, of No, it was it was it, I mean I think there's a few things that went into that not only just the the skill in the execution but also the fact that you know it had been relatively a long time since Super Metroid obviously Fusion came out at roughly the same time uh, so there was that, and I did play Fusion first. Uh, I played that portably, and then held off on Metroid Prime until I was off, you know, the, for the Christmas term break from university. So Fusion did come first, but still, it was kind of like it's been all these years. It, it, you know, in retrospect, it's not that many fucking years. Right, eight, eight and a half years or whatever. When you, you, when you, you know, a young man as I was then, uh, still a teenager. You know, that was a long time. And, yeah, time uh, hadn't compressed yet. Yeah, so so it was this this sort of oh, it's been away for so long, and that you know, Super Metroid was so amazing, and then it's like, oh, you know, we've had Ocarina of Time, we've had Super Mario sixty four, but we haven't had Metroid, and it's like, how well could they do it? And all the drama about you know, it's this studio from Texas, and it's trouble. All the other projects have got cancelled, and they've had you know, they've redesigned the game where they put it in first person and all this you know it, it was a saga it was a saga you don't get a lot of with Nintendo because it's very much a closed box with you know a lot of their development stuff but because it was happening in America that's the, you know which again it was not that common you know around this time with a, a major Nintendo game the press had more access the more things like got out so you had this whole saga of like is it going to be any good at all is it going to be do any kind of justice to this series that I had a lot of affection for and then when it the reviews started coming in it was like oh wow 
<laughs> you know, like what? You know, really? Did it? Did this? Did they really nail it? And then when I finally got to play it, you know, that that early section, you know, which is not identical, but it's it's clearly going for a kind of the feel of the the beginning of Super Metroid with the yep. where you know, Ridley steals the the baby Metroid, um, you know. But it but obviously, like you said, whereas you know, you got the the, the flat sprites and all that, it did a the creditable job at the time. With this again, and and the remake brings it so much more vividly to life. But with the with the you know, for the time, the lighting and you know, kind of scanning everything and seeing all these the you know, like this place that uh, clearly everything's gone wrong in and all that. It was just it was very vivid. It was very uh, immersive and stuff. So it, it it brings the remake brings all that stuff back to you. But also, I say I think especially the lighting, it kind of it does enhance it quite a lot. It's, it, I, the, the best description I could give is like you know when you see concept art for a game. And it looks way cooler than what it ended up being in the game. Like uh-huh. a lot, of, a lot of the time, yeah. I think lighting is a big part of that. Like they, it's, it's this beautifully painted image, and they've like you know gone for this like really evocative like way that the 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 image is sort of staged almost. And then you know when you're actually in it in 3D. It, it can't be like that, right? Because, you know, it, it has to work from every angle and all that. But what they've got with these sort of preset lighted scenes is, it's almost like the, looking at the concept art. It's that kind of vivid and evocative, but it works, you know, from all the angles and stuff. It's just, uh, re- I'm really, really impressed with that. But I guess in terms of like the, the, the negative, some of the negative things coming back, like there's a portion in the game in the uh, direct frigate that falls you know, to the planet where basically you have not got the gravity suit that lets you um, go through the water. If you haven't got that suit yet to go through the water, it still lets you go really, really far into that frigate. Like and, uh, there's this, you know, big chain of platforms that are very very close together you know very kind of slightly higher each than the last building a staircase that means even if you don't have the the jumping ability associated with the suit for the water you could go quite far Uh, and so i remember you know i remember this when i saw it this time uh, having just gone there with the gravity suit it's like oh there's the energy tank they give you for like making this ridiculously arduous slog through the water when you shouldn't be able to. And <laughs> that's it. That's what you get. You know, and it's like, I, I just always remember that being like, yeah, I think that is, I get it in a sense. It's just like, okay, like if you kind of push the boundaries of, of what you're able to do, you get this energy tank early. Like you can look at it that way, but really I feel like it, it contravenes one of the things that I think Metroid, and it's a push and pull with Metroid, right? Because the whole thing about Metroid is it has to give you like strategically crafted dead ends. That's the whole point of the game. Right. It's like you, you, you go so far or so far in one particular direction versus another. And then you find, ah, you know, can't, it is a dead end for now because I don't have X or Y, but how far you could actually go. I'm sure I did say this on the show probably when we did like a 
the um, uh, tr- trilogy in New Business, or you know, maybe when it was considered for the game of the decade stuff or whatever. Like, it, it, for me, it lets you go too far down dead ends in the first one before it mm. kind of tells you it's tight because. The thing about it is, in proportional terms, I think it's a little bit different in first person, where you're kind of plodding along, than it is mm-hmm. in 2D, where especially, like, once you get things like a speed boost, but even just the basic maneuverability of Samus, you know, with, like, holding the run button in something like Super Metroid, like, you get around pretty fast. It's just, you know, of course you do. In in It's just nowhere near as disorientating as it would be, you know, in first person, just going crazily fast. That's not to mention the performance ramifications of that. So, like, th- and that was the one thing that I stuck. Uh, you know, uh, it just brought, as soon as I got to the the wreck ship this time and saw that energy tank, it's like, oh yeah, that's it. That's the shit consolation prize that they give you if you were dumb enough to come here. And I was <laughs> in, in two thousand. If you were dumb enough to say, well, look. These platforms are really close together. They clearly are allowing me to go this far, so they must want me to go this far. And then you get to that energy tank, and it just says, like, no, you, 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 you just can't advance. That, that's what it's saying to you at that point. You can't go any further. But have an energy tank for coming this far, you plum. Uh, Good job. <laughs> so we're very it, proud of you. There's the odd other example of that that um, you know, kind of in the mines and stuff as well, where it's just like, yeah, you know. I, you can't you, it cannot be a perfect like you know oh you never you know, waste a step or whatever that's not metroid you know you have the, the whole essence is pushing at the boundaries seeing what you can make progress with what you can't you know earmarking it in your brain for later to come back all that stuff but it just in, with the pace of the game, which has not changed in the remaster really at all. I mean, I think maybe with like some of the customization of the controls and stuff, like, you could probably turn faster and stuff, but in terms of like actually how quickly you travel, you know, hasn't changed. They really could have used with, uh, you know, raining some of those things in a bit because, uh, I just think, you know, it, when you have something like that where it's like, well, they, they, let me believe, you know, I could keep going, uh, and, and it would you know, lead to something when it really didn't. It kind of colors how you look at other parts of the game as well. So it's like, you know, is this going to be something worth investigating? I think that's, it's one of the hardest things about doing a game of this type right. Um, you know, it's like, so having these almost like seemingly redundant spaces that, you know, are just long enough to kind of give you the feeling of like, what am I going to find here? But not right. so long that it makes you resent the fact that they made you do it. Um, uh, and this which, just gets on the wrong side of that line here, there. Which is funny because Nintendo's open world games lately, you go back to like Xenoblade X, have really effectively said that the path that you can wander down goes forever. It goes as long as you want. You could end up on the wrong continent if you keep walking. And, and in a weird way, that feels nice. Um, like I just end up in places that I don't expect to be, but yeah, I, for, you're right. I remember that feeling distinctly in, in prime and maybe it's about that first person as you talked about where it's like walking in first person, it feels so much slower. It does feel slow. And, and I think there's also a couple of spots where your far, your save point is far away from where you need to be. Oh yeah, right. no, that's true. And you got to walk you gotta back. slog your way all the way through and go through a whole bunch of, 
you know, morph ball mazy kind of areas and avoid all these monsters. Re- re- Respawning just... enemies. I mean, there's, there's yep. definitely some misjudgments like uh, the, the Chozo ghosts that come, like, it's like you've got the first area, essentially, other than the kind of quasi hub. Talon overworld is the Chozo ruins, and so like you have like a essentially one phase of the game that goes through that. You fight a big boss there, the plant one, and and you're kind of done with that area for a bit. But then you come back later, and they felt they've well, you know, we've we've got to scale it up a bit, you know. Like I guess they, they didn't feel like the, at this point you'd have the better weapons, you'd have more missiles, you have more health, so they kind of had to like well, we've got to bring new enemies. In to kind of make it so that you're still you're being challenged by the enemies, but that inevitably bogs down exploration, which you definitely want to go faster when it's a place that you're coming back to. You like retraversal, you want it to be faster, and of course, generally it is in Metroid because they give you things that make you able to skip sections. Like, oh, now I can grapple over this lava pit rather than walk around it, or you know, so they they do that, but. Putting these enemies in with the Chozo ghosts and stuff, it's like, I, I get why they did it, but it does slow things down. But here's the real problem. They keep coming back. Like, if it was a one-time thing where it's like, okay, you know, the, we're going to repopulate these rooms you've been in before with these enemies that you haven't fought before and you kind of need a visor to see them all the time so that, you know, it's teasing something for later in the game and it's just something to kind of spice it up for now. If that just happened once per room and it was done, then, you know, that would be one thing. But the fact that it's just like, sometimes, especially when you're wandering around trying to find something, it's like you go in a room, you fight the bloody things, you go off a couple of rooms down, and go, ah, nah, you know what, I'm barking up the wrong tree, let's go back. And then you come back, and they're back! And they just the music oh. changes, and they're screeching, and it, <laughs> it's just like, oh, we, think we, didn't, we didn't need this all the time. So, uh, you know, and, and you, you definitely get, like, uh, even when you're super-duper powerful, and the enemies really can't touch you anymore, so they're much more easy to ignore. And there's not many cases where you literally have to kill enemies to make a door open. You know, so that, to, to its credit, but you can't you can't bypass the same way you can in a two D game though by just going over them. At least it's, not it's as certainly easy. not yeah. as easy because you don't it's, have no. like a space jump in this game or a screw attack or you know like we just when you're like at the apex of your powers. Either even when you are as as kitted out as you're gonna get in this game, the enemies can still be pests because it's like if you're trying to you know explore for items. Uh, you know, you try to listen for that sound that gives away that there's an item in the room. You know, enemies screeching at you all the time is not very helpful. And also, they'll, they'll mess things up. Like, if you're trying to do platforming and they shoot you midair, you could fall down. If you're trying to do some morph ball thing and they shoot you while you're on a rail, you can fall up. So you end up dealing with them. And the way that you deal with them a lot of the time is, you know, you, you have to have the right beam or have the right visor or both and it's all fiddly and it all kind of you know uh, just bogs things down a little bit and I think that's you know, one of the things that probably you know uh, I, I think that was less the case with, with something like Prime 3 
the, there was there was less of that kind of you, it wasn't as the kind of requirements for getting to the end game were not as onerous as the artifact thing is in no. this which is still I mean you know compared to its contemporary the Triforce hunt I mean it's positively user friendly but uh, you know <laughs> that's, that's not the most uh, that's that's fake praise if ever there was uh, so uh, but yeah I, th- I, I think also in those games in Prime 3 like you just I don't know felt a bit more powerful at the end than you could just like blow past things and this yeah the enemies are there to be fiddly and they are you know so um it does bog things down a little bit but you know they're still so i've the thing is it all brings those things back you know those sorts of memories of trying to 100 percent the game and playing it on hard where everything's more of a damage punch and all this kind of stuff but it also brings back a hell of a lot of great memories uh and just how impactful it was and just all the things that uh you still really hold up about it i think it's still the most kind of um obviously i mean metro prime 3 didn't even try it had separate planets and then two, you have the, you know, the two dimensions and the fact that one of them is entirely purple. This is the one that is like a whole world that has, yeah, it's got your fire area, your ice area, all that, you know, it's still pretty video gamey, but it feels like it could be one place and that you are making your way through it. And, and even though it makes you make your way through it because there's no fast travel and stuff, the way that all the interconnections end up coming into play it feels like you've kind of mastered it by saying you know what no i can get in you know if i need to go from this area to another which originally was separated by many hours of gameplay there's actually a quick way for me to do it now if i really understand how everything connects together and at that sense i don't think they ever really quite got better at than this one Hmm. johnny do you want to wrap up with or you want to pick it up next week um no i'm good i'm good okay all right, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up this week. Emails, I want them. I, want, I know, Even though it took us an hour and a half to get through one of them this week, I want your emails. John, what is the email address they can send emails to? It is rfn at nintendoworld.com. Nintendo no. World Report. Jesus. <laughs> rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. That is rfn at nintendoworldreport.com. So the reason I asked you was somebody in the Discord accused me of not giving you the opportunity to say it, and my response was, he'll get it wrong, and I was told, trust him. You, (laughs) I have gotten it right. I've actually never, that is the first time I've ever gotten it wrong. That's not true. (laughs) I I mean, yes, I have have gotten it wrong on purpose. That's the first time I've gotten it wrong. Not true. Okay, well, this is the first time. But that is the first time I have actually botched the landing when trying to do it legitimately. God help me. Dear listener, pray for me. Greg, what's our music for this week? Well, uh, I thought we in uh, a few days after this is released, uh, I think it's the 21st uh, of February, uh, the uh, anniversary, the 30th anniversary for the release of the first in the Star Fox series uh, will, will be upon us. So it came out on that date in Japan. Uh, back in 1993, and uh, I just thought uh, it might be nice to find something that, to, to close us out on that theme, which um, 
I've always been a bit more inclined towards the original Star Fox's kind of musical style than 64, even though there's definitely some very good stuff in the 64 soundtrack. But we've also, we have used some things from the Star, the original Star Fox soundtrack before. So I was like, well, where can we go? But there was in the 90s a kind of series of, uh, like orchestral game concerts and I guess accompanying hmm. CD albums, uh, that, that, uh, went on. And uh, I think quite a few of the sort of arrangements that they had for Nintendo stuff in those ended up essentially being just picked up wholesale for the music in Smash Brothers Melee a few years later. Uh, definitely like the, the, the Kirby stage one in that is like clearly very, very similar. Either that was a case of convergent evolution <laughs> or they just, uh, went and picked that up. But, uh, yeah, the kind of, uh, the, the treatment they have for the Star Fox original, uh, you know, kind of theme from the Super Nintendo game is, is pretty much perfect as you'd expect because obviously that's exactly what they were going for. In the original Star Fox using, you know, the, the Super Nintendo, Sony sample based sound hardware that, you know, at the time made it relatively well suited to doing things that were akin to a symphonic score for a movie. And this would be very much patterned after, you know, John Williams style of score, as you might imagine. Uh, so. It's uh, a shame that uh, the series, uh, after having, what, one original game has come out in the past, I want to say, 17 years, and that was a game at the arse end of a console that was pretty much DOA, and it didn't even particularly land well, given those <laughs> circumstances, with a lot of people who play Star Fox may well be a thing of the past at this point as a series. But 30 years ago, it was the future, and it was pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Well, with that, it is time for us to go. Bye, everybody. Bye. Later. Bye-bye.